This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Hi, this is Dan Gilbazan, and you're listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. Jazz here, and I am so digging the GeekCast Radio Network. Cliffjumper, commence countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. Now, Toycast. Oh, yes. Listen in to the only toy podcast you will ever need. Hello, and welcome to an all new generation of Toycast as we get the origins of any and all toy fans that we can. I'm, of course, TFG and Mike, and today's featured guest is someone I've been wanting to have on the pod for a while. And I blame 6 0 from Triple Takeover for saying on the pod, because that's something he says on Triple Takeover, his show. But this person is a former, sadly, Funko employee. Uh, it's uh, it's Sully. It's, I don't want to say the face of the company because you weren't the face of the company, but like, <laughs> you know, you, you were the marketer. You were the guy. You were the, you know, hey, Sully, why isn't there an Alf pop yet? There's Knight Rider. There's MacGyver. There's Alf. Come on, Funko. Alf, how hard is it? What's up, everybody? Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah, I've, I've heard that from many, many people who still to this day, some think I still work for the company, but a lot have called me that. And uh, I consider it an honor because I love that company so much. Well, that's why I said former, sadly. sadly. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, it is. And uh, sadly, folks, I can't do a, a, a Billy Crystal voice. So there's that. So no Mike and Sully? <laughs> I mean, we can have Mike and Sully. It's just not going to sound like Billy Crystal and John Goodman. You see, Sully, there's a difference between you and me. Yeah, I'm tall and you're short. No. I'm blue, you're green. No. Awesome horns, little nubs. No. Furry? Not furry. No. Huggable? Less huggable. No. And stop it. Yeah, I don't do a John Goodman either, so hey, we're, we're even. We're good. <laughs> you're too young for that. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to say the man is old, but but John, there are certain people out there that have certain voices that there is no matching that voice. I'm telling you, Big Daddy, you're going to be seeing this face on TV a lot more often. Yeah, like on Monstropolis is most wanted. <laughs> <laughs> You've been jealous of my good looks since the fourth grade, pal. <laughs> have a good day, sweetie. You too, hon. 
Okay, Sully, hop on in. Nope. Uh -uh. Hey, 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 uh -uh. hey, where you going? Mikey, you there's doing? a scream shortage. We're walking. Walking? Yep. No, hey, no, no. Come on, come on. My, my baby, look, she needs to be driven. My baby, I'll call you. Hey, genius, you, you want to know why I bought the car, huh? Not really. To drive it. You know, like on the street with the honk honk where, and the boom where, boom. Where, I'm no walking where. involved. Give it a rest. Will you, Butterball? Come on. You could use the exercise. I could use the exercise. Look at you. You, you, you have your own climate. <laughs> yeah, he's, he is a legend. Uh, he should be a voiceover artist all the time, but he's also so good on screen. Yep. I mean, where do, how do you choose? I'm sure he gets paid better for his face on screen. Probably. Most likely. Usually. So today, folks, yes, we are going to go through the 42 questions all about toy collecting, but it is also going to be a fully loaded Funko episode. So you have been warned if anyone doesn't and why you're listening to this and the fact that my entire collection right now is Funko, why you're listening to this and you don't even at least, you know, have some sort of ambivalence towards Funko Pops is beyond me. But it's time we started talking more toys here on ToyCast. First question, what is or was the first toy you remember having as a kid? Oh, boy, you know, I tried not to listen to the question. I listened back to your previous episodes, and I tried not to listen to the questions for fear of uh, prepping too much. This I heard, and I was like, oh, my God, what is the answer? I've been thinking about it all day. And the, the earliest memory I can think of with toys was probably like a – I've always been attracted to electronics, even as a kid. So probably like Speak and Spell, or I remember having a little uh, 45 record player playing the uh, Robin Hood Disney film uh, songs, like uh, Little John and Robin Hood walking through the forest, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the earliest I can remember. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that. I just mentioned this on a podcast recently. Next year, November, and I only know this because I looked it up, but next year, November 8th, 2023, will be the 50th anniversary of that film. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And it was, so, it was still fairly recent when I started listening to those albums. That gives you some context, <laughs> doesn't it? Okay. <laughs> You're not old, but you ain't that young either. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> What is, was there a particular adult who was supportive of you playing with toys as a kid? Were, were there anyone, was there anyone that wasn't supportive? Yeah, my dad was always the fun one of my two parents. And he was, he was definitely a kid himself. We played video games together back on like the Atari 2600 days. And uh, he was always supportive of it. My mother uh, was also supportive in the fact that she would buy stuff, but she was a bit of a clean freak. So we had the yearly purge whether we liked it or not, of uh, the toys that were in our room. And I can still remember to the day uh, grabbing her around the bottom of the leg and, and begging her not to get rid of my Star Wars toys. And she <laughs> did. And I still <laughs> give her hell about it to this day. Every time I see something Star Wars, I'm like, remember, Mom, I had those toys? And then you sold them in a garage sale. And now there's some other adult my age who's super happy with this collection. Yeah, I would have said something like, see what you did to me, Mom? I've spent my whole adult life trying to reclaim my childhood because you sold these for less than what they were worth. I'm pretty sure I've used those almost exact same words before. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah, absolutely. What types of toys were your favorites to play with? Like action figures, vehicles, play sets, that kind of stuff. I mean, I have vivid memories of action figures specifically. He-Man, Transformers, G.I. Joe were real big when I was a kid growing up. But my brother and I also had just this 
box full of crappy, beat up Hot Wheels cars that I loved playing with. We had the track, and if we would get in trouble and get sent to our rooms, we would roll out the track and put it between our two bedrooms, and then just uh, push the Hot Wheels back and forth on that track until we couldn't, uh, until they were all lost in the middle of the hallway. So I a little bit of a little bit of each, honestly, but I think Transformers are the fondest memories for me. That and He Man. Oh boy! Well, then you're going to end up being on two more podcasts with me because I have origins for Transformers and I have origins for He Man. Oh, count, <laughs> count me in! I can talk about those all day. And I'm it's it's all the way over on my my counter here, but and I actually have two of them because I. I don't know why. I thought I lost one. So uh, earlier this year, maybe it was last year, I forget, Hot Wheels released a Super Pursuit Mode kit. And I am a huge Knight Rider fan. I met the man when I was six years old in 1986. So, you know, and I'm like, ooh, cool, great. And I've, you know, I, I usually for me, I'll take pictures in package and then I'll open some of the toys. And I'm like, ooh, I want this sitting on my desk. And I've moved since then, and I don't know where the other one was. So I went back on Amazon or wherever the heck it was. And I'm like, yep, buying this again for whatever, like 10 11 whatever Hot Wheels cost. So, yeah, that's over there. I haven't opened that one yet because I want to make sure I can find the other one first. And then I'll be like, hey, look, I have one open and I have one packaged. Yay, because that's how toy collectors roll. That's what we used to call one to rock, one to stock when we were doing the Funko Funcast. Yeah, it's it's so perfect. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. What were your – so you mentioned He-Man and Transformers. So what were your favorite childhood toys that really stand out more than the others? So were those two like your top tier and then everything else was just kind of there? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I got into sports cards and collecting as well as I got into my teens, but but as a child, but below 10. Those were yeah. definitely the focal points. I remember my the you know every family has their own traditions around birthdays and holidays or whatever as far as they ha- how they handle the gifts and for birthdays, mine's the, the right around Thanksgiving time. Uh, we always got money, so mom and dad would would take us to uh, Toys R Us and say you can spend X amount here in the store. Go get what you want, and inevitably that's I ended up over there getting He Man and Transformers, and I remember one year getting the Power Glove for the NES, which turned out to be a total POS. I think we ended up returning it and getting something else. But uh, yeah, yeah, I remember specifically going down those aisles. I just wish every once in a while I'll see a photo that somebody has from that era. And it's usually like a store took a photo or maybe even a, a, a licensor who was taking uh, pictures of a display. I got, I wish I had like photos of me in front of those areas of the toy aisle. Yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, our parents did take a lot of pictures of us, but I don't think they took many pictures of us in in the toy stores. Nah, they were always posed or like holidays. I think the best ones I have, there is one of me that I circulate or or republish every year. And it's me opening um, a Star Wars ship. And next to me on the floor, I'm wearing, I think I'm wearing a Star Wars shirt or, or pajamas. And on the floor next to me is a plush gizmo. I mean, it's the perfect 80s photo it's so great me in front of the tree and that that is the encapsulation of my childhood in that one photo right there yeah there you go that's awesome do you prefer the label of action figures dolls toys or other labels because let's face it everybody parents in the 80s didn't care like oh why are you playing with those dolls it's a three and a half inch action figure that turns into a truck 
That's not a doll. <laughs> yeah, I, I prefer toys in general. I think it's a better okay. term. A lot of times I'll call them collectibles too, but it really yep. depends on the context of the conversation. You know, there's there's the conversation around the value of the stuff now. Those are collectibles, but the conversation mm-hmm. around playing with them as a kid, those are definitely toys. Yeah, absolutely. Good guys or bad guys? Which toys were your favorites to play with the most? Oh, I... I think it was straight down the middle, even. You couldn't have a proper battle under the sheets with the flashlight when you were supposed to be going to sleep unless you had a balance. And, you know, so the Smurfs had to go up against Skeletor uh, and they could escape in their Hot Wheels. Uh, But you you had to have balance. So you couldn't you couldn't just go all good or all bad. Where's the fun in that? Dear Hasbro and Mattel, please make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> the crossover we've all wanted but been scared exactly. to ask for coming exactly. this summer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what is or was your favorite toy vehicle or playset? Now, this obviously cannot be a Transformer because they're not just vehicles. They're other things. Oh, boy, that's a tough one. I mean, playset, do you count the army uh, army men mountain, uh, like, uh, they had the action, the, the figures where you could put the army men on there to pose for fights and stuff. I had that. I had uh, castle gray skull. Uh, I love those snake mountain. Those were great. As far as vehicles go, I mean, all my instant memories that come up are for transformers, but again, then there was the hot wheels. And I, I don't remember a specific hot wheel standing out because I think we got them all at like garage sales and stuff. They were beat up, paint shipping off. Uh, I, I can't I don't have a visual on one that really stands out, sadly. Yeah, I know that there are a lot of even. Obviously, the before times and even now that we're getting back to. Actual in-person conventions, which personally I I don't know, but, uh, but yeah, no, I know there are plenty of Hot Wheels conventions all over the country and all over the, you know, all over the world and everything else. And I'm like, how do you, how, how have you kept a, a Hot Wheel car in pristine condition for the last, let's say 30 or 40 years when half the time I would see them, they were already beat up and. Yeah. I mean, some people just have that collector mentality from I did early on I remember having my Star Wars toys and I had some of them that I had duplicates of I already was was using the one rock one to stock before I ever knew what that meant I had Han Solo in package I remember him sitting at an angle on the shelf and I had sent off the UPC codes for the Emperor and I had received him and he was in package because I knew he was special I already did that and and I knew that was a thing and then my mom still went and sold them God, what they would be worth today if I still had them. Yeah. Did you and your friends ever pretend with your toys that you had? By this, I mean, did you say, I'm going to be this toy and you can be that toy? Like, Mike can be the the Coke bottle top and Sully can be the piece of glass or whatever kind of thing. (laughs) Of all the toys, you're going to pick a piece of glass. I love it. (laughs) It's it's an old... um, That's an L-skit? Johnny Switch? No, you know, it's... (laughs) I I say this every time because I always I I've, I've phrased this question like it's an old Cosby thing from one of his his oh yeah I remember those stand ups 
Yeah. Yeah, those are good. I, I yeah, those are those are really funny. Um yeah, I remember vaguely playing like that. I mean, I I was pretty fortunate. My my dad had a, a fairly successful business when I was a kid that, that later tanked when I was in my junior high and teen years. So I lived on both sides of the tracks, if you will. I had a lot of fun, really cool toys when I was a younger kid, and then we went without when I was junior high and high school. Uh but uh yeah, I vaguely remember uh, having to make do with, with, with what was around us to have some fun playing in the dirt, uh, playing with marbles or, or digging holes and running like, you know, sticks and stones through there to, to emulate his vehicles and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Kids today will never know the, uh, the excruciating pain of having to find your marbles in the dirt. Mm-hmm. We were all toodles as kids. I've lost my marbles. <laughs> Thank God those marbles were resilient and easy to wash off. <laughs> yes, they were. They were as were they glass? No, they weren't glass, but they were of a harder substance than normal toy type things I, of their style. I think they might have been, honestly. Just polished smooth. You couldn't you yeah. couldn't crack them without getting a brick to them or something, and we didn't do that, so yeah, you'd have to throw them like Goku or something, you know, Super Saiyan Goku or whatever the hell that is. What <laughs> features define a good toy to you? How true does the item feel in comparison to the source material likeness? Oh, well, I mean, going again back to my favorites with uh, with He-Man and, and Transformers, they needed to have posability. You had to have I, – I didn't know the term back then, but they needed articulation. And I love being able to make He-Man stand up with that pose with the sword in the air and the shield <laughs> on the other arm. Or Skeletor holding that staff up at a funny angle. I remember all that. And, and Transformers, my God. We, we didn't – I don't remember if there were instructions that came with those. If there was, I'd never read them. Being able to to easily transform the toy from one to another was important. That's one of the main reasons I hated GoBots. GoBots were the, the cheap ripoff uh, that I never wanted to own but somehow got a bunch of. Transformers were like – they were heavy-duty, quality, uh, metal feeling like, a, like an automobile or a robot should be. Uh, so that I guess there's another difference is I didn't want stupid cheap plastic. I wanted heavy duty American build. I'm sure it wasn't built in America, but that's what I, I would have thought. Right. Yeah. All right, all right, folks. It's it's official. Mike and Sully, you you are my brother from another mother because <laughs> I I have a healthy distance distance respect for GoBots, but GoBots are essentially Kmart Transformers. Like, thank they you. Are. Like no, like don't 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 bring that crap in here. Leader one, Psy kill. Give me a break. I, I commented know. on this on the Funko Funcast back in the day, and uh, some of the fans thought it would be really funny to coordinate with the rest of the team. And they sent GoBots, like dozens of GoBots, to HQ, and they went and they hid them all over my desk. Well, they didn't hide them; they placed them all over my desk. I came back and was working at my keyboard for a few minutes, and I looked around. And there's all these stupid fake transformer eyes looking back at me, and I looked around, and the whole office floor was watching me as I realized that they were on the desk. I'm like, "What are these stupid things? Get these away from me!" <laughs> I will say, and I don't know if I've said this before. I've been podcasting for 14 years, so I have no idea if I've said this. I, I usually remember most of the stuff I say in past episodes, but I don't. I sort of liked the cartoon, but I never liked the toys. Never. Like, 
you know, Transformers were a puzzle. Like you said, like who really read? I mean, I, I remember looking at several of the instructions, the instructions, but back then we just sat there and played with them, whichever way, like, Oh, Optimus Prime's headlight opens up and becomes his arm. Oh, his, his, um, I'm going to call it the hitch, but it's not the hitch, but like where, where his waist is, where the bumper is on the front. Oh, that folds so he can stand up. The legs come down. Like we just figured it out. We didn't like, that's how we were. Yeah, It was intuitive and user friendly. Whoever designed those smart, there were a couple I struggled with. And wanted yeah. and but I knew better than to put too much pressure on and break them because God forbid I, I wasn't getting a replacement when I got to a certain age. But then again, back then, diecast construction it is a lost art. Man, yeah, isn't it though? I'm, there is one company now. I don't know if you're familiar with them called Metals Diecast, and they make some really nice stuff. But none of it is like transformer type. It's all just cars and and figures. I have a few of theirs and really appreciate the the weight of the product. Yeah, I no, I haven't heard of them. I know of Jada Toys because they released they they just released series two, but they have series one of their nano metal figs of Transformers, and they're just yeah standard figurines, but they are die cast metal. That's and awesome. I noticed, which I'm trying not to go down the 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 Funko route so early, but I I did notice that. Funko kind of dipped in a couple of times to diecast, and there are a couple of diecast Funko pops. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I I think there should be a lot more. They did, uh, yeah, they've done a few of the DC and Marvel so far, but yeah. I would love to see that evolve into uh, more lines. It's just that price point is what fifty, sixty bucks on those little yeah, little steep. Yeah, very steep. Yeah, very very steep. Respect. I mean, I like I like premium designer type toys and that's mm-hmm. kind of their their foray into that after hikari didn't do so well uh so yeah. you know i'd love to see that what well, if they go into motu i'm i'm on board i'll be there <laughs> if they do transformers i'm on board i'll be there yep what does toy packaging have to have to draw you in so you're in let's say a toys r us and this is both as a as a kid and as an adult so if you're in the toy aisle or if you're in the toy store and you're looking at Masters or Transformers, what's that one part of the packaging that just makes you run over and grab that toy? This is a great question, and it's something I've actually put a lot of thought into over the last couple years, last five years, Uh, and there's two different answers. As a kid... I wanted bright colors. I want. I didn't care about keeping the packaging intact, with the exception of those few Star Wars figures I had. I, I wanted stuff that drew my attention. And, of course, already looking at Transformers and Motu and maybe the occasional outlier, it was about bright, bright colors and about uh, accessibility. Like, how quickly can I get into the package? I despise twist ties. Keep those out of every package ever. Like, I would rather the toy uh, shake around in there than be than, than, than that twist tie, be between me and playtime, you know? Um, as an adult, however, uh, it's altered slightly, and that is, I, I think the secret to Funko's success, aside from those, as some people put them, the soulless black circle eye, <laughs> uh, is the packaging. It is genius. They they moved from those plastic bubble domes that you can't stack and are made to hang to those square boxes with no seal on them. 
so that you can easily take your your toy out, your collectible out, photo, mm-hmm. play with, do whatever you're going to want, and then put it right back like nothing ever happened. I don't oh. know why other companies aren't getting towards that. Like, I love the Star Wars Black Series. I don't collect them, but looking at the right. package, I'm like, okay, that doesn't look like something I could take out for photos and easily put back. So that's not for me. That's not yeah. my that's not my thing. Now, occasionally I'll still get something different. Like I have a really cool uh, I have a big Sully collection. Shocking uh, Monsters, Inc. And I have a big uh, statue behind me where the, the packaging was actually really nice. It's a big box. It was from uh, Sideshow. It's a big box. It's beautiful. But they didn't put a window in there. Why not put a window in where I can appreciate the packaging and the collectible? I think a window is very important. Yeah, so let's go ahead and get this out of the way now. Everybody and their brother, for the most part, is going to closed box packaging. I'm going to specifically call out Hasbro because they are doing that with Transformers. And if you can't see, it's not about, oh my god, what if the toy's even there? What if somebody got to the store before me and and figure swap? It's not about that. It's about going into the store and being able to act like... They're making these things out of plastic. The yeah. landfills are still going to be filled with plastic. You just removed a window. Like, that's not. Yeah, that's not saving anybody. That little thin sheet of plastic. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's the difference between something you can display and something that's simply going in storage. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Apparently you do. So apparently question 11 is irrelevant. But do you open your toys or do you leave them packaged? If you keep toys packaged, do you have any specific criteria for that? Well, yeah, basically answer that. But I, but I will say this in, in continuation to that is I, I, I often take out product on my streams. I used to do a segment called What's It Worth Wednesday where I take out old vaulted pops. Some of them are worth – I have pops that are worth between two and $5,000 a piece, right? I will open that box and take them out and show them, and people absolutely freak out. They're like, you just decreased the value of the toy. I'm like, no, I didn't. Why? They're like, you touched it. I was like, that toy is not going to be influenced by me touching it. I didn't just eat Cheetos or a burrito. It's going to be <laughs> fine. You know, I'm taking care of it. I'm being careful. But those packages were made to do that. And you can't look on a shelf and go, that one was opened or that one has never been touched. It makes no difference with the pops. With so many other lines, it does. Yeah. And I totally yeah, oh, agree yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're beautifully crafted Figures, as simple as they are, especially now, the artwork's amazing. And sometimes there's some really cool stuff on the back or the sides that you don't get to witness in the box. So it's I, you got to get it out and take a look at least once. Yep, at least once. Like, for me with Pops, I... Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Most of the time I keep them in boxes. And um, when I had to move from Washington, sadly, to Indiana... There was only, and he was kind of, his box was kind of already damaged, but during the move, sadly, the soup Nazi, Yev, did not, his box didn't, uh, didn't come out so well. It's not as bad as some of those stupid Walmart videos you see on YouTube and like, oh my God, the Walmart employee stepped on this in in the boxes. Like, if I want to keep the box, I could keep the box, but the box has, out of all the almost 200 pops I have... It's the only box, to my knowledge, to this point, because the rest of them are in storage. It's the only box that actually has significant damage to it. And before we did this, before we started recording, I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to have him out of the box because it's it's much easier to just have him out of the box. And I don't know if I'm throwing that box away or if I'm just going to put it in my in my closet and just not, you know, just because right now I have, and I and I say this, and I'm not saying this to be depressed or anything like that but i don't like moving oh, i don't like i don't like change I, whether it's life changes or getting change like i I'll, I'll give you plastic before i ever give you cash you know I, I just don't like change i will die in this apartment i am never moving again the only <laughs> way that they can get me to move out of this place is if it burns down or something forbid, anything <laughs> like that happens but I'm never moving again. So, you know, it's perfectly fine that I don't have one out of 200 pops out of the box. And besides, it's the soup Nazi. He's pointing, you know, like, you know, no podcast for you or whatever. That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. I don't want to move. I had to do it twice recently, and that's pure hell. So now most of my stuff is in storage. I just I started to get a few things out again to display at my latest place. But it's uh, uh, God moving. There's a reason they say it takes years off your life. It does. It's too much, especially for those of us insane people who are collectors on the verge of hoarding. Uh, that's where I land, anyway. Oh boy! Well, the questions coming up later will be interesting. <laughs> if as an all right, this is going to be interesting. If as a kid or an adult, you were only allowed to choose one toy franchise to collect from, which would it be, and why? One toy franchise, as in um, a, a license, Transformers, yeah, Matt, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Probably. Oh God, that's so tough. It's going to be a toss-up between Monsters, Inc. because of Sully and yeah. Masters of the Universe. But there's so much more oh, that yeah. I can collect with Motu. And I think that I've had, of course, a longer uh, uh, love for Motu. I think it's going to be Motu. I mean, there's just so many cool He-Man, Skeletor, She-Ra, Orko. I mean, God, yeah, Motu all day. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. As an adult, do you prefer vintage or modern toys? Oh, dang. 
I think modern just because of accessibility. I, I I do love going down the rabbit hole of going on eBay or or going to cons or toy stores and looking at the older stuff. But but I feel like it usually comes at a higher expense and it's harder to locate the things that you want. I'm much more about let me get it at a fair retail value. And then maybe one day that turns into something that's uh, that's of greater value. So like when I first started collecting Funko, Masters of the Universe was one of the the lines that really got me in. Like I remember when they sent out the email slash press release saying we've got the first wave of Masters of the Universe. And I was like, oh, my God, this is a must purchase. I pre-ordered the whole set. I even got Spycor for free. Because I ordered from Gemini, and that was part of the package deal. And, you know, those things now are worth hundreds. I, I was hoping they might be worth dozens of dollars. Never did I yeah. think that a, that an original mainline uh, toy or figure like that would be worth 500 to to $1,000. It, it, looking back, it's insane. Uh, it's still insane to me. I, I As a longtime collector... And a an employee for the company, I don't understand anyone spending $2,000 on a pop. But guess what? I'm all for it because if I ever sell my stuff, I hope those people come out of the woodwork. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So we're not going to go too deep into this because it's for later. But just to get this out of the way, you worked at Funko from 2016 to 2020. Mm-hmm. Were you the main influence – of them not losing the Motu license, did you fight for that? <laughs> no, no. I wish I could say that. I, I, I uh, we didn't have much of an impact on the licensing oh. discussions, if any. Every once in a while, we were able to pitch like ideas, and I can say that I, I didn't save Motu, but I did make Letterkenny happen. Uh, there would not be letter Kenny pops if it weren't for myself and another coworker who were so passionate about it. We wouldn't let it go. Yeah. After question 21 folks, we're going to get so deep into the rabbit hole of Funko. So in about (laughs) 15, 20 minutes, you might want to tune out if you're not a Funko fan. And if you're not a Funko fan, then then what are are you doing here? (laughs) You crazy. (laughs) What is one toy you can always play with? Um, wow. I don't think I play with toys much anymore. I, I definitely love my video games, but yeah. I don't think that's the question you're asking. Um, so, so basically you have a display and we'll talk about how you display your stuff. Yeah. You know, a few questions down the line, but you know, you have a display and on that display, let's say is most of your favorites. But if you had to pick the one out of all of those, what is the first one that is going to be the one that you pick out to say, do a photo shoot with her. And I'm not like, we are yeah. all too old, and personally, I am too old and too fat to be sitting there in a Darth <laughs> Vader suit like Rick Moranis and pew, 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 pew. No. Yeah. I, no, no. I'm not talking about it. Yeah, no. So photos, you know, that you know that kind of stuff. Like, what's, what's the one toy in your collection that will always make you gravitate towards it more than anything else? Oh, man. The crown jewel still has to be uh, my SDCC flocked. Sully, the OG 2012, like impossible to come by, limited to 480 pieces in the world. I've taken it out of box a few times for photos, and it's, oh, God, if I, I wish I'd bought multiple just so I could have one out 
all the time. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. even to touch, just to have sitting there. Cool piece. Just that little that little superhero pose with his arms out to the side. He kind of looks tough and angry like a bulldog. Just oh freaking love it. So cool, man. Yeah, absolutely. Now we don't like being negative, but we kind of have to because there are certain negative toy questions that we have to ask. Even though there are always toy lines that people never purchase, are there any that you specifically and purposefully avoid? This can be toy lines, specific characters, etc. Well, first thing that comes to mind is anything from Walmart. I absolutely refuse to step foot in a Walmart, much less buy their exclusives. Uh, I almost always, I, I don't even have them in my collection unless somebody gives them to me so I know I didn't spend the money at Walmart. But as far as a license goes, uh, I haven't seen GoBots anything, so thank God, because I'd avoid that like the plague. Um, I I don't uh, – I can't say I don't hate or despise anything. No, this isn't about – no, 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 no. This I isn't about have, that. Like, like I okay, don't have so a, you – I don't have a passion for anime. Uh, I appreciate it. I think it's great for those that are collectors, but it doesn't do anything for me. So I don't go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this question is. Like Mm -hmm. you purposefully avoid, like you haven't like, you're not going to go destroy a box. You're not going to go destroy merchandise or anything like that. But like you go into the target or the GameStop or the hot topic or the insert, whatever here. And you see all the Funko lines that they have. And they're like, for me personally, I have only ever seen the first 27 minutes of season one, episode one of Game of Thrones. And all they did was friggin' walk. They didn't do anything. <laughs> and I'm like, nope. So for me, Game of Thrones pops are not my thing. Fair. So I'm going to avoid those. So that's technically what, yeah. what, what, what the question totally is. Totally fair. Yeah, totally fair. Are there any toys in the past or currently that you wish you had not bought them? Are there any toys that you may have sold that you regret letting them go? Uh, no, I don't think I have any regrets on purchases. I'm pretty, I'm pretty careful on how I spend my money. So like when it came to pops, there's plenty of ones I bought that don't have value now, but that doesn't mean I don't like them. You know, they don't have to go up in value for them to be fun. Um, yeah, I, I, and then as far as selling stuff, I believe it or not, I'm sure people will call BS on this one. Uh, I have never sold one of my pops ever in 10 plus years of collecting Funko. I've never sold one. I've given some away to, to people who are uh, either viewing my stream or, or a bigger fan of a license than I am, and I just knew it would be better in their collection. Now, I need to. I want to sell some to bring in some money, but I can't bring myself to do it yet. It's just... Uh, I know I will have regrets down the road, uh, whether whether it's, you know, uh, because it goes up in value or I just wish I still had it for a photo or, or to give as a gift or whatever. But uh, I have not sold anything. I've never been a I've never been a flipper. I've never been a seller. It just hasn't been my thing. All right. Well, then that's going to make this question easier. Usually I say how large or small. 
but <laughs> how large is your toy collection? Do your toys take up the whole house, or are they relegated to one room, shelf, or something like that? Well, I used to when I had the I had a house before uh, I was renting before they sold the house. They decided when the market was high to to get out, which I don't blame them. Uh, I had a it was a two story and up in the um, what we, I guess would have been a game uh, landing area. Uh, okay. size of a large bedroom that was everything was there and then a few shelves behind me in my office for streaming but now i've moved a couple of times and sadly like 99 percent of my collection is in a storage unit which scares the hell out of me uh because of the value uh but i yeah. have no choice i had to do it uh so yeah I, if it were up to me if i had a house again they'd all be under my roof and they'd be out and they'd be displayed in every room but uh you know, sometimes a roommate or a significant other may not appreciate uh, what you collect, and sometimes you gotta you gotta put put those away. That was my my uh, issue before. Uh, wife wasn't into it, so they weren't out in the adult uh, living room area and kitchen. None of that none of that stuff was out there. You wouldn't even know I was a collector until you went upstairs. Hmm. Interesting. Very cool, very cool. How do you keep track of your collection? <laughs> Memory. I, I, uh, which sucks <laughs> these days. Uh, I, I don't have everything cataloged per se. Now, when I did move uh, this last time and put everything in storage, I did take out my phone and I would stack as things went into boxes, I would take photos. So I do have photos of everything that I owned at that point, which is good in case there's an insurance issue, a fire, a flood or whatever. But, um, no, I, I have never been one to go in and put them all in the app. I'm always impressed when people have their app, like the Funko app or PPG or whatever, and they have them all cataloged. I never have. I can I can remember most of the stuff I have. There are the occasional like, oh, did I pick that up or not? I know I wanted to and thought about it, but did I buy it? Uh, and then like I do collect comics as well, uh, not to read, sadly. I'm not a comic book reader, but I love the art. And the investment potential. I started looking at it like stock. I can't tell you what comics I have. I don't remember all that. So that would be a loss. I should have cataloged those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and since, you know, you mentioned it and this is the perfect time to talk about, you know, keeping track of things. Whoever is on the team at Funko that is in charge of the app Please do your job better or get people in there that can do the job. Be like, uh, you know, I think we said this off air and I'll say it on air because I'm not ashamed about it. My buddy, Wes, who was in episode 107.5, I believe, of the show, he runs a Funko store popping off toys in Nashville, Tennessee. And one of the, his social media posts a couple months ago was a brand new J. Jonah Jameson with, you know, Spider-Man, you know, threat or menace and whatever. And it's JJJ holding up a newspaper. And I was like, ooh, is that new or old? He's like, it's brand new. I'm like, oh, okay. Immediately went to his website, immediately, you know, paid the money. And I got the pop. I'm holding it in my hand right now. It's part of the Beyond Amazing uh, line. Yet this pop is not in the app at all. Like, what's going on out there in Everett? Because I, they can add every single anime pop, but yet, 
one of Spider-Man's greatest characters that, nope, not there. Yeah, that one I'll never understand because there's even that feature in there. Like if you were to scan the barcode and it doesn't exactly. show up, you can and submit like, it. How, how does this not show up? Like, Yeah, you'd think there'd be a queue on that person's desk or that team's area that would be like, hey, we got an alert. Let's get that one in there real quick because I know they have an internal system that tracks it. Yeah. And I'm like, a lot of the pops I've I've purchased in the last X number of months because I don't I don't purchase stuff every month, but I've you know gotten things here or there over the last seven eight nine months, and I'm like, oh, it's like uh, first thing I do is I'll search on the app for it if I don't see it immediately in the most recent editions, and if it doesn't come, okay, well there's the scanner, I'll pull out the 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 camera and do the thing. Oh, nah, that's not sure. Like what the hell? How do you not have? I, you know, I, I, I know too much about the processes inside of Funko, and and sadly, the communication between departments is not very good. It seems to me like the most logical thing to do would have that to be a part of the, um, the process for revealing pops. Like the second that those social posts yeah. go out, somebody's yeah. job should be go, hey, okay, well let's make sure that's in the app because people are going to want to add it to their wish list. And then by virtue of doing that, we can notify them when it's available for sale. And like, there's so many steps that would behoove them to make even more money, but uh, yeah. somehow it's lost in the shuffle. Yeah. And I, I'm going to say this now, and this is me personally. This is not Sully saying this. This is Mike Blanchard saying this. And it isn't about who I'm going to say this about, but in all the streams that Hillary and Ashley do and all the reveals they do on the streams specifically if they would just scan those code like it like it doesn't have to go in the app and meet but like for employee I'm sure somewhere in the fun code whatever there's an app team or an app person or whomever that oh you've tried to scan like you're saying, you've tried to scan this. Let's like it should automatically be added before the stream is over. That way, like you've already just said, when we go to whatever, there, there you it go. is. Yep. yep, that would make sense. Yeah. That's that I mean that's sense. the that's the one of the main issues you have with the company becoming so big so fast. I mean, it, it in ten years that company's gone from oh forty, fifty, sixty people to several thousand that's yeah. just monumental growth and then those kind of things while to you and me the consumer seems so very important that's one of a million things to them that's not that important sadly but, I know. okay so, so that so that confuses me because they want you to have an account on their website so you can purchase things from their website they want you to have an account the same account is also for the app kind of thing. If I'm tracking my collection, I assume they are also tracking like they I'm sure they see which things come on, you know, which things are get hearted or which things get crowned to add to the collection. So they would know they would have that data. And oh, yeah, I, I don't I, it's I in don't a disparate system a, that they don't connect. Sadly, one person has to manually look at the internal system and then connect that and then go in a separate database and put in the one that's in the app. And it's, <laughs> you know, sadly, that's the way it is. It would be in the ultimate world, they'd be connected and it would be automatic, but that's not how it works. I assume, are, are you a Marvel fan just in general? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. So what I'm about to say is, and I know you get the reference. 
I feel like Stick needs to take a visit to headquarters and, you know, just tell them, get your sh- together. Yep. <laughs> I, you know, it, it, the way I know how that that company works, everybody be head down working their butts off and they look up and hear them yell and then just go right back to what they were doing because they have a hundred things to do already. They be like, okay, we heard you. Hey, move along. All right. <laughs> Well, in that case, then you send in Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin. Good Lord, that'll get some attention. (laughs) That's that's a big fella. Yeah, you have him make a statement. (laughs) All right, so how do you display your toys? Is your, like, do you mix and match? Do you you just have a Funko collection currently, or do you have other stuff as well? Oh, no, I collect all kinds of stuff. Comic books, Mondo posters, enamel pins, stickers, pops, sideshow, like, you name it. I'm just a collector at heart. Um, I, when I had my room set up for all that, uh, at first the idea was when I got moved into the house, I'm going to set it up by, by areas. And I had an area for Motu. I had an area for Marvel area for DC. I had an area for Disney and Pixar and then an area for star Wars. Those were my main ones. Uh, but then there was like, I had kind of like a, a television and movie section. And then eventually a music section. And then eventually it was just this giant room with a tiny path that I could barely get through to go get something. Uh, and I couldn't make out what was what. I tried so hard, but I was collecting and getting new stuff in so quick that before long, like I would show the occasional friend the collection. And always when I, I literally had a curtain in front of it. Uh, to keep it, you know, where it wasn't on prying eyes that would come in the house would see it. And I would show that. And when I would pull the curtain back, the 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 most common response was usually a curse word. Uh, somebody would see it and go, oh, my God. Like, how do you know what you have? And I'm like, well, look over there. That general area is this. And that general area is that. So it turned from a display into storage quickly was the, was the moral of that story. Uh, but given... Uh, you know, the right space and the right parameters, I would definitely do that. I would separate by uh, the type of license or type of collection, like, you know, uh, movies and TV, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And keep talking about curtains. All I can think of is pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. (laughs) (laughs) I I needed a man behind the curtain to to protect and catalog the collection. Couldn't afford that on the staff though. You know, it's a staff of one. (laughs) Oh boy. That's what the giant Sully statue is for though. There to, he's there to scare them away. Man. If only I could get that one off the outside of HQ, I would put him right in front of the collection. We were talking about it at the, I went up for FunCon too, uh, during Emerald City Comic Con, and we were sitting right in front of it. I was like, man, one day I'm going to get that thing. I don't know how, but one day. Oh, that's funny. All right. So if you could only keep one toy from your entire collection, what would it be and why? And basically how I phrase this to people is, the house is on fire, but you yeah. somehow have time to run back in and save one thing. Well, based on my previous answer, you'd think it would be the Fox <laughs> Sully, right? Uh-huh. It, yeah. It's not. It's not. It's actually uh, – I was gifted at Emerald City Comic Con uh, in 27 – no, 2018. I was gifted a custom of me. Uh, made by a fanatic and friend, and she made the Sully with a giant orange cowboy hat that has turned into my brand. Uh, the literal artwork that they teach, because they went so far as to make the pop. It's a husband and wife uh, pair uh, that actually runs the Geek Together podcast and network. 
uh, they uh, she made the pop and it's just wonderfully done. She did such a, a great job of blending a sully body with a different head with the big cowboy hat. And then he did the graphics for the box. That's Damien. And the head that he put on that box, the Sully with the orange hat, I still use in all of my uh, branding and marketing, if you will, for my streaming and my products and stuff. Uh, so that Sully custom would have to be the one that goes with me because it just means so much. It just uh, it's irreplaceable. I can go buy another 480 flocked Sully, but I could never buy another one of these. So it's got to go with me. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, I I just added their their show to my Spotify follows on on Spotify, so I will have to check them out. Oh, they're great people. Above awesome. all else, they're just they're just good people, really good collectors, and uh, and she actually makes her own toy line now, uh, which is cool. I don't know that she's made anything recently, but uh, but yeah, they're in it so far that they're not just collecting; they're creating and and evolving themselves, which is really cool. That is very cool, very cool. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick ad break. You're going to hear some ads and some other stuff, and we're going to come back after this. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, geeks and geekettes. Looking for a podcast that covers a vast array of topics? Then check out Altered Geek Unleashed, where we discuss our thoughts on this week's geeky news, tech, gaming, television shows, movies, cartoons, comics, and more. So, get altered, get geeky with the Altered Geeks, every Friday on the GeekCast Radio Network. One of the primary themes of ToyCast is that we focus on times past. We are who we are today because of the nostalgic memories and experiences from our childhood. Obviously, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if it weren't for the toys that make us so addicted to nostalgia. Times Past Collectibles in Chicago, Illinois is your primary go-to collectible store to reclaim the toys that drove those memories and experiences. Specializing in action figures from all of your favorite toy lines like Star 
Star Wars, G.I. Joe, He-Man, Transformers, Silverhawks, Ghostbusters, TMNT, Mask, and more. Get your dose of nostalgia with a shop run by collectors for collectors. Whether you are looking for loose G.I. Joe, Ice Cream Soldier, a packaged Leonardo, recent Star Wars Black Series figures, or an AFA-graded Boba Fett, Times Past Collectibles is bringing you back to your childhood. Visit the shop at 1450 North Ashland Ave in Chicago, just two blocks south of Ashland and North Ave. Call the shop at 847-830-1031 or email timespastcollectibles1982 at gmail.com. You can also find them on Facebook. Just search Times Past Collectibles because, folks, it's past time that you get your collectibles. Hello, all sentient beings. Want the latest on everything going on in the Transformers multiverse? Check out the Transmissions Podcast Network. We've got weekly podcasts covering everything from Alpha Trion to Omega Supreme, from old school G1 all the way up to Cyberverse and beyond. And you don't want to miss Empire of Rust, the world's first and only Transformers live play role playing game podcast. If you love Transformers, there's something for everyone at transmissionspodcast.com. Do you like retro cartoons? Then Saturday Morning Rewind is the podcast for you. Join them each month as they talk about classic cartoons and interview legendary voice actors like Jim Cummings. I am the terror that flaps in the night. Corey Burton. Sometimes toys can be so funny. Rob Paulson. Sure, name, but... How are we going to find chaps our size? Nancy Cartwright and many more. Eat my shorts. So grab a bowl of Lucky Charms. The magically delicious. Put on your hammer pants. Go to SaturdayMorningRewind.com. And be prepared to feel like a kid again. Once again, that's SaturdayMorningRewind.com. Saturday Morning Rewind was voted best podcast ever by its host, Tim Nidell. So it's got to be good. Oh, hey, I got something. Since 2009, we have been the premier cartoon podcast here at the GeekCast Radio Network. We are TuneCast. From taking you beyond the cartoons we grew up with to seasonal saucy tune talk, and now we get the origins of Toonsters everywhere as we ask guests... 30 questions about their cartoon watching experiences, plus so much more. Tooncast is back. Join me, TF2 and Mike, and the rest of the GCR and crew as we give you all the tune talk you will ever need, only on the GCRN. And wherever you consume your podcasts, we are beyond good, beyond evil, beyond your wildest imagination. We are all tunes all the time here on Tooncast. Yeah. Like science fiction? Of course you do, or you wouldn't be listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. Well, the Mark Who Fortitude Universe podcast is an award-winning sci-fi radio show that's been around for over 10 years. We cover everything from Doctor Who to the MCU to pop culture and everything in between. A new show drops on Tuesday mornings on the GCRN website and all of the major podcast platforms. So listen to the Mark Who 42's Universe podcast from the universe and beyond. On the Simplistic Reviews podcast, we talk movies. We talk TV. We talk... Hello, Julie, what the heck are you doing? 
trying to make our spot sound more exciting by adding explosions. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could have got the point across with sound effects, not the real thing. Car, car. Download this show on iTunes or at simplisticreviews.blogspot.com. I'm sure your insurance company will cover that. No, they won't. No, they probably won't. Discover a world of vintage and modern toys that's more than meets the eye with the Triple Takeover Toycast. Hosted by toy writers and photographers Toybox Soapbox, 6O, and TF Square One, this informal and chilled out series of discussions cover everything from vintage Transformers to Mask, Diaclone, Microman, and more, be it nostalgic or current. Whether you're a seasoned collector or a casual robot enthusiast, all are welcome. Triple Takeover Toycast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. We are back here on ToyCast. And the flip side of the only keeping one toy from your collection Here's the Toy Box Challenge. You get one 18 by 18 by 18 box. The only toys you can keep have to fit in the box. What can you pack into it? Oh, man. <laughs> Jeez. Well, none of my Mondo posters can go in there, so those are out. Uh, definitely going to be Pops is going to be the majority of it. I'm going to get my Motu in there, the the... My Disco Skeletor and some of the other Skeletors that are super rare. My OG He-Man. A few Sullies. Uh, I could probably put in stickers. I could put a lot of stickers. Which this is the thing that, uh, I know it, it, you, you want to laugh and it sounds crazy. Uh, but um, during COVID, uh, when I started streaming, myself and a bunch of our other friends all really got into making our own custom stickers and collecting those from our friends. Uh, in fact, I have a friend that runs um, in Sacramento. He has a store called Beehive Collectibles. That's Av. And uh, he has an entire wall where his register is that's covered in fan-made stickers from all of us. So my, I have a bunch of mine that are up there and a bunch of my friends. I could put a bunch of those stickers in there because I don't want to lose those. They have sentimental value. And then uh, somehow, some, some way, uh, he only takes up a little bit of space. But of all my Star Wars toys that got sold in that garage sale so long ago, making some other man my age very, very happy, uh, I had he made it through. You must unlearn what you have learned. All right, I'll give it a try. No, try not. Do. 
or do not. There is no try. Yeah, so we have the, the stickers, uh, which are, you know, they have the, not only are they fun, but they're they're also sentimental, so I don't want to lose those. But then also uh, the one figure that made it through the wrath of mom's uh, annual purge of the collectibles, a tiny 1978, I believe it was, Yoda, one of my first collectibles. He was so small, he escaped uh, the, the purge and made it through it. I still have him to this day. He still travels with me everywhere I go. So, so little Yoda is going to go in that 18 by 18 by 18 box as the, uh, as the crowning figure, uh, the representation of my childhood. That's got to go in there. Very cool. Very cool. All right, folks, we are up to question 22 and usually this is a short answer, but since Sully, Spent four years there, or five, <laughs> however many, that this is going to be a fully loaded Funko question. Are you a Funko fan? <laughs> yeah, but but what gets uh, what would surprise a lot of people is there aren't a lot of actual Funko fans at Funko. They weren't collectors before going there. Uh, I started collecting in 2012 and immediately got immersed in all things Funko. Like by 2013, 2014, I had like 500 uh, pieces in my collection. Loved it. I I was going to buy everything they made at one point until that uh, release schedule got so crazy. Uh, Still a Funko fan, believe it or not. A a company that laid me off and and threw me out and didn't bring me back. Uh, You'd think I'd be just completely bitter towards everything. I'm not. I still buy. I still collect in fact, I am uh, probably their one of their largest collectors of their new NFT projects uh, that they've been doing. And uh, I've got dozens of pops on the way from those NFT redeemables. And uh, I don't see I've only slowed down on my purchases because of funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, if the money starts rolling in again uh, by virtue of my own endeavors or a job, uh, I will continue to collect Funko because I love it. Mm-hmm. So what was the process for you going from a Funko fan to being a Funko employee? That's a good one. I I get this every once in a while because people would also ask, you know, how could I work at Funko? Uh, For for me, it was uh, started as a fan. And around the time that I got into Funko was when a buddy of mine approached me and said, hey, I want to go to San Diego Comic-Con. Would you go with me? And I honestly thought it was at that time it was a uh, industry thing. I didn't know that fans could go because I knew so little about it. Uh, but fast forward a couple or after our first year there, uh, the second year we decided to start a podcast and a uh, and, and we made it into a business called Nerd Foo, and we did that for two hundred and thirty something episodes of the podcast and still technically the business exists, although we don't do much with it uh, here 10 years later. Uh, But that passion in the beginning, one of the things we talked about a lot was collectibles and Funko and going to the conventions. And so we did prize giveaways. And when we would go to the cons, uh, started to meet some of the employees. And I got to know Cameron and Yoko, who were the face of the company. Uh, The social media marketing team before I went there, uh, still friends to this day with them. Uh, I looked up to them so, so much because I was like, that's the kind of job I want one day. And uh, so I would talk to them at the cons and stuff. And then I was doing social media for a company during the day. And that company ended up doing a main, a big layoff. Uh, Unfortunately, I seem to be right in the middle of all these when it happens. And so I got let go and I sat down and I made a list of companies I wanted to work for. And it was one company long. It was Funko. That was the only company I wanted to work for. No lie. That's that's exactly what happened. And so I 
pushed into making as much content as possible uh, during that time where I was unemployed for Nerd Foo. And that included the podcasts and photos and giveaways for stuff. And a lot of it was Funko related. And I was constantly looking to see if there were any jobs. And lo and behold, nine months later, they put up a marketing position and I applied for it and I picked up the, or I sent an email to Cameron and I said, Hey, I know we only know each other a little bit, but I really think I'm the one for this marketing job. I'd love to do it. He immediately passed that on to his boss. I was up there a week later, had an interview. I was hired six weeks later. I sold my house. All my stuff got packed and we moved from Texas to Washington state where I still live, uh, and started the job. And, uh, boy, I don't regret it one bit. Uh, it's unfortunate how it ended, uh, but I don't regret it at all because it's been one of the greatest journeys in my life, and I've learned so much, and I've met so many amazing people, and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if it weren't for that. So, Right, yeah. So, like I said, folks, this is this is the Funko section. And what, how, like... We, I, I've done one of these. I've done interviews over the years, all the time. But you know, I'm, I'm like doing these origins things now. And like I said at the beginning of the show, getting the stories of any and all fans that we can. So it doesn't matter whether you work there or whether you don't work there. We had already talked to in episode 144. We had talked to Scott Toy Guru Nyluk, who used to work for Mattel. So. This is essentially me interviewing Sully about his time at Funko. What was the first pop or product that you that you first worked on when you were there? Uh, I mean, as far as being a part of the marketing and social media team, we didn't have a lot of input on the actual development of any product. Mm. We would occasionally get asked, hey, can you poll our fans and find out what they're looking for? Because in the early days – the social media was pretty quiet. They would do some occasional videos. They would do a little bit of Twitter, like Q&A type stuff. But as the as the fan base grew, more and more people had opinions on what Funko should make. And so we kind of started to embrace that and use the social media channels for, hey, guys, what license should we go after? And, and so there was a lot more of that uh, and feeding that up the chain, the data to go, look, here, we, we polled an X number of thousand people said they wanted more Harry Potter. Because that was really biz- uh, popular at the time, pre-anime. Now anime is, is super popular. Uh, but uh, the the things that I was most proud of that we worked on uh, was the Funko Funcast and the videos that we did and the lives. Uh, because when I was brought on, they didn't have a podcast. That was my main focus. They asked me to come in and build that. And then as it turned out, I had been on camera before. But I didn't know that I had any real skill set there until they were like, hey, do some unboxing videos and see how it, how it goes. And I loved it. And then before long, I convinced them, hey, we should, we should be doing live stuff. Let's do this in front of Twitch audience. Let's do this in front of a YouTube audience. I was most proud of those engagements because it turns out that I have a knack for that. I, I love talking, clearly. I don't shut up. Like I, I see on my screen right now, it's just me talking for five minutes. Um, but I, but I love that. I love engaging with fans. I love creating content. And that's what I focused on most of my time there. And I'm very proud for what we produced while I was there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's awesome. And yeah, generally the marketing team obviously doesn't have like, I know you weren't a sculptor. I know you weren't a painter. Like, But I'm saying like, you know, there had to have been like, what was the first pop you marketed for them? Kind of like, mm. you know, so that so that kind of thing, like, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So when I came on that, my focus was the Legion of Collectors 
uh, box. The DC oh. subscription box was still – they had separate channels for that and for the Marvel Collector Core and then eventually for the uh, the Disney Treasures box. But for Legion of Collectors, that was mine uh, for the first six to nine months. And so I did uh, marketing in the box and showing that off. But I think one of the first ones I did was a Superman box. Uh, and uh, I actually went – I was just telling my friend the other day, I went back and I created – uh, a different little, which now would be considered NFTs almost, the way I made them. It was these images that had um, uh, video in them or GIFs of like Christopher Reeves pulling the, the suit open to reveal the Superman logo. And kind of mm-hmm. like, uh, here's the history of Superman as we get ready for the Superman box. So I think that was probably one of the first things I worked on. Very cool, very cool. Oh, I have to admit, and I hope this doesn't... I I just want the pops. I don't care about the NFT factor of it. Like I and somebody <laughs> told me and 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 you can, you know, say, you know, you I'll, this is your episode, this is your show. It's, yeah. you know, whatever. Somebody told me the NFT stuff is environmentally unsound. Uh inaccurate. Okay. Yeah, there. This is a this is a big sticking point for everybody as we move towards a I would call it a hybrid between uh, physical and digital collecting, and, and I'm glad that you give me an opportunity to talk about it. Uh, there are NFTs in the world on different blockchains that are bad for the environment because they use so much computing power. Uh, the Wax blockchain, where Funko has decided to put their stuff, rightedly so, they made the right decision, uh, is carbon neutral. It uses very little processing power because it uses a different um, method to... Uh, validate the NFTs, for lack of a, a, a better word. Okay. Um, it, it is it is totally safe, uh, carbon neutral, and it's a lot of fun. Like, I love the idea of cracking packs. I used to do it with baseball cards. Love People love doing it for Pokemon cards now. And you get to do that when you buy the Funko stuff. And not only can you get the lottery win of pulling, like, a Grail or a Legendary, which assures you a physical pop delivered in the mail several months after, but you also have the chase for one of ones there's literally some that there's only one of in the world uh Mm -hmm. there are low mint numbers which would be the kind of the equivalent of a few uh collected mondo posters those are hand numbered and if you got number one of 700 it would be highly sought after same thing exists in the nft world and then you can build sets Uh, if you build what they call royalty sets you can actually get a physical redeemable freddy funko like right now the latest one is dc series 2 and you can get uh, freddy as the riddler and it's a really cool pop. And I have been collecting them. Uh, actually, I got into NFTs because of Funko and a couple of other projects. Tops was doing it back in the beginning of 2021. And Funko has since done, what, 15 drops? And I've been there for every one of them. And I absolutely love it. I, I have turned into, and, I, and I'm not saying this to toot my own horn because I don't like doing that. But I have turned into the single biggest resource and educator uh, for the Funko NFTs of anyone probably in the world at this point. And I dedicate a lot of my live streams uh, to Mm -hmm. that, to educating people on what is accurate about NFTs and also how to get on board and start collecting. And most everybody that's ever come by and given it a chance has gone, oh, this is different than what I thought it was. And I actually really enjoy this. Some people still are like, no, not for me. I want to be able to hold that figure that I bought five minutes ago at the store. And you know what? That's fine. 
It's not yeah. for everybody. But I, I just hate that there is the negative connotation around it and that there is so much misinformation. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, again, I was on, I was a viewer of one of your streams where you were putting on one of your NFT educational seminar things. And that's when I asked you on, I'm like, Hey, you want to be on the show? Like it's 42 questions all about toy collecting. And I knew we were going to get into this because yeah. you know it is what it is. It is, it is what you do for me. I, I'm one of those I don't care people at the same time. I want the physical pop. I want the gold Optimus Prime. I want the Devastator. Why in the hell these – I'd – talk to me about the decision-making of Funko as a company being – you know, putting – is it the company or is it the licensor saying, okay, you can do this character as an NFT – and a eventual physical pop, but you can only do these characters as actual mm. physical pops in an actual store that I can go to in the next 10. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what's the difference? It's, it's both. Every single license is unique. I learned okay. this. I, I wasn't involved in a lot of the licensing conversations, but I was involved in enough where uh, let's, let's take DC as an example. DC mm. used to be one of the most lenient licenses. In, in other words, they, they would give Funko free reign to do pretty much whatever they wanted as long as they got approval of the final art. Since then, and over the last 10 years, most of these companies have really started to embrace or own what is their greatest asset, and that is these licenses. They realize that every time Batman goes on something, it's a representation of their company and a great opportunity for them to make a ton of money. So they've started to have more um, control and input in these conversations. Like Harry Potter, who's owned by Warner Brothers as well, they are – notoriously difficult to work with, but it's because they, they protect that brand so carefully. Mm -hmm. They do not allow Harry Potter to go on something that looks stupid. Like go back to star Wars in the 1980s. You can buy a Darth Vader spatula at the dollar store, you know, (laughs) like they were just these crappy stuff that would have those licenses on there. That, that doesn't happen now. You may deem something crappy, but the other, other, you know, million people are like, this is fantastic. Uh, every license is individual. Uh, some may say, look, you can only make these characters. You can only make them as pops and we have to approve everything. Uh, star Wars, Every single Star Wars sculpt, unless it's changed during COVID, uh, Reese O'Brien uh, was in charge of the Star Wars stuff, and he's just an amazing artist. He also makes uh, Tiny Ghost on the side. Uh, he uh, he had to take a mold, get on a plane, go to Lucas, mm-hmm. show them the mold in a room, take notes, bring it back, correct the mold, and repeat until they approved. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they completely dictated which characters Funko could do. There was even a panel. So this, you could go back and find the video for this. When we did Star Wars Celebration in Chicago years ago, uh, Reese was on a panel with a couple of the other artists from Funko and the guy that was in charge of merchandising for Star Wars. Mm -hmm. That guy, I don't remember his name, don't care for him one bit. Uh, He was, oh my God, so full of himself. But he, uh, he dictated what exclusives they had at star Wars celebration that year. And that was the year that Funko did all the Chrome. And a lot of people look back and go, "Ugh, all that Chrome. Well, that was that guy. That wasn't Funko. Funko had a cool lineup of stuff they wanted to make. And that guy from, from uh, star Wars said, nah, don't do all that. Just make a bunch of Chrome ones. 
So that's just an example of, yeah. of all the times where people are salty or angry towards Funko for, well, you could have done this other character. You know, like Funko probably had no choice. They probably had to. Uh, like I, I, this recent DC, uh, they did Connor Hawk, which is the Hawkeye of the DC universe. Mm-hmm. I don't remember ever hearing anything about this guy. I don't know why he was picked to be a pop instead of Wonder Woman or, or uh, Harley Quinn. But there might be a reason. Maybe somebody at DC was like, we're going to go hard on Connor Hawk this year. Go ahead and get a pop out there and let's see how it does. You know, I, I don't know. I wasn't in that conversation. But but a lot of times there is licensor influence or just straight up them demanding something. Uh, it's yeah. a very interesting process. And what I can clearly tell, which I'm kind of happy and I'm not kind of happy about, but what I can clearly tell with Hasbro – and the Transformers license is that with the Retro Toys line. You there? Yeah, still here. Okay, I heard some weird static. All right, that was weird. 1744 edit. So what I've just piecemealed in my own opinion about Funko and the Hasbro Transformers license is they can only do the action figure style pops so they can only mm-hmm. take the 1984 Optimus Prime and mm-hmm. like they're not they're not going by animation they're not going show accurate they're going toy accurate to what the original toy is and they can do that all day long yeah so far i mean the other part of that too well, is they do these in waves they do these true. in series yeah. so they'll put out wave 1 and if wave 1 doesn't perform they're not going to go to wave two anytime soon. If wave one does really well, well, they'll go to it time and time and time again. Cause you got the, you got the bean counters involved too. You know, you got people that are going, Hey, we, we spent uh, $10,000 a mold on six figures and we only made a hundred K that's not worth our time and effort. Let's move on to the next thing. Those molds are expensive. You, you everybody probably thinks it costs pennies on the dollar to make those pops, but on average, I think it's like four to six dollars in production costs for every pop. And you multiply that times every license and every character mm-hmm. they have in each individual license, and that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And before we talk more on money, because number twenty three is all about money, but. One other Funko question while you worked there, I assume at some point or another you met with Brian and mm-hmm. Mike. Yeah, for sure. Okay. We all have characters online, folks. We all put on personas at times. <laughs> Brian seems very da- like he's like he's not really putting on a Mike on the other hand, he a little nuts. Well, uh, Brian he's- is who is he seemed. Uh, I got a chance to interview him twice for the fun cast, me and him in a room for an hour plus. Uh, And he is exactly the person that you see on the videos and stuff. He's very straightforward, doesn't kid around, uh, very business oriented. He is definitely a fan. His love for the. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. 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 Mike is uh, he is a complex guy. He definitely loves acting. That is a big part of him. And so when he does the videos or fun days or that stuff, he takes his – he's also a huge fan. He just turns that into an opportunity to present, to uh, 
make it bigger than it is. And that is not just a shtick. That is really who he is. Like he is a very, very artsy, um, unique guy. I, I don't know how to word it exactly, except for to say he is who he, you see too. That quirky, fun presenter guy is Mike. Uh, okay. He just uh, he just dials it up to eleven when he does a video or or fun days or something. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, yeah. I love I love Mike to death. I mean, what he created in Funko. Uh, it's honestly a shame that he stepped away when he did. You know, he sold the company after three or four years of doing it. Uh, yeah. I think it's even in the documentary where he just got burned out. It was just too yeah. much, and then. Yeah. Brian steps in and pumps that thing full of adrenaline and steroids and whatever else he had and turned Funko into a billion dollar business. Now Mike's involved in it again so much and it wouldn't be what it is without both of them, but yeah. it all started with Mike. If it weren't yeah. for Mike, we wouldn't have Funko. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, Brian came in and he pumped that gas so far that it didn't matter if it was $7 a gallon or not. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. And he, he killed it. I mean, regardless of, of any decisions made, because plenty of people can look at that history and go, oh, you messed up there, you messed up there, you messed up there. But look yeah. at all the success. Oh, my God. How many people can ever create a juggernaut like Funko? Yeah, absolutely. So there's two other Funko things, and then we're going to get back to the regular questions. Mm -hmm. Why the black soulless eyes or the insert <laughs> color soulless eyes here? Yeah. Why that? So that's one question. All right. Uh, I don't know exactly. I, I know that the original style of the pops was, in fact, a plush. It wasn't a vinyl toy. Okay. And they took that to D.C. Again, D.C. back in the day was much more lenient. And D.C. said somebody there, genius, whoever they were, they, they de deserve an award, went and looked at that plush and went, OK, I dig what you're doing here, but this would be better as a vinyl toy. And thus the pop was born or Funko Force 2.0, as it was originally called. Uh, and then they made it into pop and changed it to that cardboard box. It has always been a stylization uh, in the chibi form. So a lot of influence from Asia. Uh, and so they've stuck with that. And I, I never saw, I just referenced that earlier as a joke because so many people commented on that. I never saw a black soulless eye. I saw, oh my God, there is this uh, little like overblown characterization. And somehow that speaks to me. So maybe whoever said that it's more in the eye of the beholder than anything. I laugh at it all the time now because there are some people who are so adamantly against Funko Pops that like I think they're the same people that get mad at a band when a band goes mainstream. It's like you just don't want anything to be everybody's thing. You want to have something that's unique to you. And that's totally fair. But, you know, don't yuck my yum. If yeah. you don't like it, just move along and go do your thing. I'm going to be over here enjoying the hell out of my pops. <laughs> so as of this recording, and I, as I said earlier, this will be the most recent episode of the podcast. So I basically have to turn this around and edit it immediately. But anyway, that's that's how I roll around here. But it's one of those things where as of this recording, Nickelback just released their latest single after <laughs> six years. <laughs> Feed the Machine was the latest album from 2017. So it's been about five or six years since we've had any new Nickelback. I have been a Nickelback fan since 2000 uh -huh. or so. 
And when they released that the other day, I said, you know what, folks, this, you know, it's my thing. I don't talk like it's not like I'm on Facebook talking about Nickelback at least once a day. I'm not. But this is the excitement. Holy crap. They're not ma- they're making us wait a couple of months. But like between the new single now here in September, I keep wanting to say August, but September. And the new album coming out in November, I'm like, oh, okay, it's only uh, that's fine, whatever. But you know, the whole thing is, it's Nickelback. Everybody's li- like, you're talking about this whole thing of yucking people's yum and all this mm-hmm. and all that. So, and because you've been the toy collector, you are. Do you remember Mighty Mugs? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. I have some. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a huge Mighty Mug fan. I still am to this day. And I went head over heels for when they did Transformers Shockwave. Cool. And then Funko, years and years later now, for the 2021 Summer Convention, I forget which, I assume it was, I forget what that alternate sticker is. The the SDCC. Was it? Mm -hmm. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was or not. Funko releases a Shockwave, and I'm like, oh my god. Both companies, Funko and Hasbro, because I think Hasbro was doing the mugs at that point still, uh, they got G1 Shockwave down to a T. Even both figures have the wire for his hose, for his gun. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, how can you not just at least appreciate, like, if you like it, if you don't like it, fine. If you don't like it, fine. But at least give it the respect of, you know, hey, that's an amazing, ingenious thing. That's a detail that not a lot of toy companies are going to put into those things. Yeah, agreed. I, uh, It's amazing what they can do when they have to stick within the confines of a certain type of, of art uh, to be able to bring that to life. I couldn't fathom. I, tr- I tried doing my own art now for NFTs, and I... I have more respect for those Funko artists than ever. One of my one of my least favorite questions at cons and stuff was, "What's your least favorite pop?" Or when people would dog on something, I'd always be like, "Hey guys, remember, an artist worked really hard on that, and and you're I guarantee you're hurting their feelings, whether or not they ever let anybody know. They they had a passion for that thing, and they went as far as they could within the confines of what they were allowed to, to design. And all you can do is is tear it a new one." And just talk bad about it. It's like, can you remember there's real people behind this process? Uh, yeah. Most people are incapable of doing that. They think that their their voice needs to be heard by the world or their 11 Twitter followers. Uh, and I'll never understand it. I don't get it. You choose to be happy. It's a lot better life, I promise you. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said earlier, like, look. But at times there have to be negative, not negative things said, but negative things asked and things like that. And or, you know, controversial coin flip type questions and things like that. But like I can sit here and say, like I said earlier about Game of Thrones, it's not that like I have no disrespect towards the person that worked on that Funko line. It's just not my thing. And I will just state it at that and walk away from it. Like, yeah, I'll go find something else. Absolutely. You, you spoke with your money. I talk about that a lot on my on my stream is if you don't like something, the most impact you can make, not buy it. It's that yeah. simple. If the sales don't happen, 
they'll stop making it. But the fact that they sell out of all these, you know, things like the NFTs, there is interest. There are a lot of people who are into it and they're buying and they're selling and they're enjoying it. So if you don't like it, go find something else you want to put your money into and, and move along. Yep, absolutely. So speaking of money, what was the most money you spent on a toy? Hmm. This will boggle your mind. Uh, I think. <laughs> I've talked about this a lot. Uh, most people assume that because I'm so deep into Funko that I have, like I talked about earlier, spent hundreds or thousands of dollars. When it comes to Funko, the most I've ever spent on one item is 120 bucks. period. I bought an Ivan Drago Proto from the Rocky collection back in 2014, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, and then I bought a four pack of pop minis from Disney or D23 back in the day that had uh, Wally and uh, Ratatouille and Buzz Lightyear and something else in it. And that was also 120 bucks. Never spent more than that on a single anything. Uh, there, there are some other collectibles in my life. Uh, I think that statue I just bought from Sideshow was like 300 bucks. That's probably it. I don't really go nuts on the high end stuff. Like I said, I'm more about the buy and see if it goes up in in value than I am. Let me buy that grail that I've always wanted. Uh, Now, one day, if I get some better income, there's still a few grails I want. Hollow Darth Maul, Gold Loki, things I passed up on back in the day. Uh, And I would spend the money, but as it's got to be relative to my salary. And my salary needs to be a hell of a lot more to spend that kind of money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So on the flip side of that, what is the cheapest toy you bought or what was the best deal you ever got for a figure that may have been worth quite a bit more than you paid? I mean, that that too is uh, a tricky one because I bought a lot in 2012 and 2013 uh, back when Funko was still relatively just starting to, to increase in in, uh, in value and and uh, in fans. And uh, I would buy you remember Hot Topic used to have the buy one, get one or buy two, get one on all their pops in the early days. And so I bought like, um, God, what are some, I bought a couple of wrestlers like Mysterio, Ray Mysterio. I bought, uh, who was the guy that was in the wrestling and then went to the WWE? Um. Uh, I can't remember. But stuff like that, White Raven, uh, some of those early uh, Hot Topic exclusives that are worth a ton of money now, uh, I bought for, you know, buy one, get one free. So they would cost me like $7.50, and now they're worth like $700. Uh, But probably the best overall was my Fun Days ticket in 2013. I bought a, I think it was $75 or $100 for a ticket. You got dinner, two drinks, a box of fun that included three pops and then whatever they gave out in the audience. If you took all the items, not counting the dinner and drinks, because those have been long processed and gone through. Uh, if you if you take the, the figures and stuff I got that night, it's probably worth about five thousand dollars for a seventy five dollar ticket. <laughs> wow. that's, that's a good return on your money right there. And I had one of the best experiences of my life because that was my first fun days. Uh, yeah, that that by far had to have been my best investment. Wow, very cool, very cool. Mine was a little sweet. I only had to spend $6 in Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> nice. What's a little sweet go for these days? I haven't looked. Oh, gosh. I don't even know what he's... Um, I don't think he's on the top because I've got mine sorted by highest to lowest right now. And he's somewhere in the low side, I think. 
Let's still fun. Here. Yeah, I remember that one coming through. I never did get one uh, because I didn't have the time to send off for it, and we didn't get samples at Funko that I could grab one. He's only fourteen bucks. Hey, still six bucks to fourteen. That's uh, you more than double your money. Yeah, true. <laughs> Very true. Uh, I, I still absolutely love this, and I have to bring this up because this is awesome. My buddy again, Wes from Popping Off Toys. Uh-huh. He gifted me because I'd missed the I missed the and I'll, I'll ask you I should have asked you this earlier but I'll ask you now in a minute but he gifted me the Scrappy Doo because I am oh. Scrappy Doo's ultimate defender. Everyone else is like, "Oh, Scrappy Doo, he's the worst thing in cartoon history." No, he's not. That belongs to Ren and Stimpy. But <laughs> but Scrappy to me as a kid in the eighties was in like Scooby was and. Rightfully so. That's the way Scooby is. Scooby and Shaggy were always so scared and so whatever. Scrappy was like, let's stand up to these bullies, Uncle Scoob. Let's get them, whatever. So Wes gifted me that. He is today my most expensive pop at $110. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. It's, yeah. it's hard to go wrong with uh, with Scooby Doo. It's it, and it's going through such a great resurgence now. Like mm-hmm. I'm surprised that something that old is resonating with today's fans of all ages. It seems too. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. What modern and or vintage toy lines are you currently collecting? Modern still Funko. Uh, definitely. I love my Mondo stuff. Uh, as far as licenses, I stick with um, I stick with Disney, Pixar a lot, Marvel, Star Wars. Those are my big ones. Um, vintage, really not going back and buying anything old. Honestly, I just I don't have the funds for it right now, and mm-hmm. it's going to sound crazy. I don't have the time. Like I I basically I work for myself now and basically yep. I work from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep and about the only time I don't work is if I'm catching up on a TV show or one of the few times that I play a video game off stream. Mm-hmm. Uh which is rare. I did it last night for a change, but uh I most of the time I'm I'm either answering emails, talking to people, streaming, creating something. I just I don't have the time to go and uh and spend a lot of time on that right now. Yeah. Well, absolutely. So obviously this is more about the before times and like I said, obviously we're getting back into it, but do you visit toy shows or conventions and when, when you visit these things, do you have a typical methodology? Do you bring a certain amount of money for what you're searching for? That kind of stuff. Yeah, I guess there's two answers to that too, because pre Funko, when I would go to cons as a fan, uh, I had pretty good income with my day job, and I tried to go to at least a uh, half dozen cons a year because I was also doing it for my side business, Nerd Foo. And I would, I guess I'd give myself a little bit of a budget, but mostly it was more about like, here are the certain items I want. I'm going to go after it because I feel confident that these things are going to be worth more in the future. And as it turns out, I was pretty good at predicting it. Because a lot of those early SDCC exclusives I have are worth hundreds, if not thousands of dollars now that I spent, you know, 10 to 15 bucks on. Yeah. Uh, It just took a little while for it to come to fruition. Now, in a post-Funko, post-COVID world, I am getting back to the cons. I've been to this year, WonderCon, Emerald City, San Diego Comic-Con, just did PAX last weekend, and a few others. And uh, really, it's a different world. It's, there's less people there. There's less to buy. There's less free swag. 
these companies are still trying to figure out what they're going to do. Unfortunately slash unfortunately, I don't have the budget to go crazy. So what I've been doing instead is uh, working to, you know, um, increase my audience by giving away like free stickers and talking to people, doing panels, things like that. And in the rare case where I get to buy something, it's truly just a, a quick one off purchase of something that I just have to have like a Ted Lasso pop or the, uh, the He-Man, uh, exclusive from SDCC, that pop, that was a metallic He-Man had to have that, you know, to continue that collection, but, uh, just not going nuts. I even did star Wars celebration this year and I didn't even go in the Funko booth. There was nothing that I thought I had to have. Uh, and that's, that's basically the criteria that I've got to go with now is either a cheap 10, $15 thing that I, that I like or something I absolutely have to have. There's not a bunch of just, Oh, I'll grab it and see what happens. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. What do you think it is about our generation that causes our childhood toys to mean so much more to us than say, for instance, our parents' generation? Oh, that's a great question. I, I, Everything I do, I realize, gets summed up by this great speech that Will Wheaton gave at a con years ago uh, in answer to a question at a panel. And basically, the short version is something you said earlier, and that is we're all trying to recapture our youth. Uh, We, growing up as kids, had far more toys and license-type stuff than our parents did. You know, my mom, I think she liked – God, what was the name of that kid? I know she liked Betty Boop, and uh, I can't even remember the name of the little actress that she liked. But they had very few things that were like that. They didn't. They didn't focus on it. They didn't wake up on Saturday mornings and watch cartoons. They yeah. didn't for Christmas get a whole bunch of toys. Like I, got, I bet she got little woodblock cars as a kid. Like you know, that's not a license that people are are clamoring after now. But but we as kids had that stuff. Our parents sold it, or we moved on, or it was destroyed or whatever, you know, lost in a, in a move. And uh, here we are as adults, many of us with uh, real income and a chance to recapture those moments from our childhood that mean so much. And then for those of us with kids, I, I don't have any, but my friends with kids, they it's all about them introducing Star Wars or He-Man or whatever to their kids. Like, look at this thing I loved as a kid. Do you love it too? We can bond over that. Uh, it kills me. My niece doesn't like Star Wars. And every time I'm around her, she reminds me. She's 12 now. She goes, yeah, I don't like Star Wars. I'm like, why are you doing this to me? I want to love you so much. <laughs> but you don't like Star Wars. This is not OK. Uh, it, it's all about recapturing our youth. And, and we have access to so many cool things, man. There's so much out there. If it were up to me, I'd spend a million dollars a year on all the things I wanted. I'd have a house that has 80 rooms of collectibles. Uh, luckily, I don't have that. So uh, that would be insane to try and manage. Yeah, my buddy, uh, Proto Man, he's big in the Transformers community. He actually bought a house specifically to house his collection. <laughs> <laughs> he has over like 10,000 figures, I believe, of every. Wow. Yeah. Sadly, sadly, the one thing we do differ on is he's not a Funko fan. Oh, uh, well, hey, you know. He does he, he does Transformers news segments on his podcast and uh-huh. does them as YouTube videos. And every once in a while, he'll like when that shockwave and what was it? It was shockwave. And was it the G.I. Joe Trooper? Or what? When the shockwave pop got announced, he's like, oh, yeah. And by the way, from Funko, if you're into that kind of thing, I'm like, shut up. 
<laughs> shockwave. What? How illogical can you be when you're talking about shockwave? Anyway. <laughs> Pick uh, a side. Okay. You're transformers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's transformers. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, what is your motivation for purchasing toys? Display to play fiddle. Describe your collecting style. Uh, it's always been display and value. I, I do look at my purchases and most of these as an investment for the future. I'm not uh, stupid enough or, or crazy enough to think that, oh, it's going to be my retirement one day. It's not that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. I hear people say that, and I'm like, you probably should find out about 401ks because <laughs> you're going the yeah. wrong route. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But but it's fun, and it does. It can return a value if you know when to get out. I've never been good at that. Uh, but I do <laughs> buy, and I do look at the values, and uh, now – it's turned into more of content. I buy yeah. and show off on my streams. And eventually when I get my button gear, make some YouTube videos and things like that, TikToks. Uh, but, uh, but right now it's a lot of, hey, look at this thing I got at the con or let's see what the value of this thing is. I get, I get a spinner out, put it on there and I focus the camera right up on it. We look at eBay and see what the value is. I like to educate people on I, – I can't believe that this is a thing. But educating people on how to properly open a Funko box blows people's minds. I don't get it. I have shown this trick off I don't know how many times. And every time I show it, somebody's like, oh, what? Really? That's so smart. I'm like, I don't know how this was such a secret. But okay, if you like it, let's go. You know, I'll show off whatever I can to help other collectors. And that's a lot of what I buy now is to is to educate and create content. All right. Even though this is an audio podcast and people can't see you doing this, explain the process. Okay. So I've got this down now. You take a pop, flip mm-hmm. it upside down. Okay. On the bottom, yep. take that opening side and aim it towards you. Take a old business card that's heavy duty, an old credit card. Uh, the best thing is one of those key cards from a hotel that you never returned. Slide mm-hmm. it in under the flap on the right-hand side and pull towards you just enough to release that corner of cardboard away from the other piece of cardboard and just kind of wiggle. And that corner will pop up. If it doesn't, don't apply too much pressure. Flip over to the left side, try it there. But that should pop that corner right up without causing any damage or tearing the cardboard in any way. And then once that one corner pops up, you can easily open the whole pop with no damage. Okay. Well, 
sadly, the business card I have in front of me is not going to work for that. But oh, it's not heavy duty enough. Yeah, try no, try an old no. uh, an yeah. old. I, my friend uh, Display Geek actually makes these. He took the idea and made card openers, and they are basically like a hotel key card that says how to do this, and you slide it under there and pull towards you, and it's got his logo on there. And I thought that was genius. Uh, I wish I'd done it myself, but he's he's smarter to the business side of things than I am. But I mean, these things are supposed to open. Like on the top yeah. of them, they have an open. They're, they're like any other like actual box. I mean. Uh-huh. You know, it, but opening without the damage is tricky because that cardboard is pretty flimsy and it doesn't take much to, you know, crease the cardboard on bending up the corner or possibly tear it at that little that little yep. uh, area that's cut out there on the side. And that's yep. where people freak out about me opening. It was like, oh, my God, you damaged it. And I was like, no, I didn't look. It's mint. It's it's, yeah. it's just as good as when I first bought it. It's beautiful. Cool. Yeah, it's it's just weird things like that that I, you know, and, and now the education on NFTs, it's like, hey, it doesn't have to be all big and scary. Let me show you some stuff that's going to make it fun for you. And if you can want to do it, do it. If not, don't. That's fine. But I want to help you if I can. But I just want the pop. I don't want the <laughs> NFT side of it. I just sell me the pop. Damn it. Yeah, you can have to go. You can do it on the tertiary market, but you're going to pay a premium. Uh, oh, I know. <laughs> well, that's funny because like... I, that's a whole other thing. I, I gotta wait until I. I think somebody and I. It was the most whatever the most recent. I think it was Emerald City or whatever it was. Uh-huh. Somebody put up a, or I guess he did it himself. Um, Iglesias had put up a Instagram story. I don't follow him, but um, Fluffy Iglesias put up an Instagram oh. story, and behind him, the transfer were all, were all of the trans. And I'm like. Wait, what? Yeah, the people are flipping out over this for no reason. It, it's a one-off, and he is an influencer, and well, every yes, company yes. on the world does that. It's just yeah. part of the thing, you know? Yeah. But people are like, I'm going to sell all my NFTs. This is bull, bull BS, blah, 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 no. blah. I'm like, calm down. It's going to be okay. Like I said, <laughs> I just, like, out of, like, just off memory without actually having to do any research or click any buttons or doing anything, just sitting here off the top of my head, Gold Optimus Prime, Hot Rod, and Devastator would be the three oh, that yeah. I would want out of out of they've, what they've done for the NFT Transformers. I don't remember what the other ones were. They were super cool. I unfortunately never did score the Grail Optimus, uh, but that is one of the ones I would I would happily trade for. And like I just pulled the Batman Azrael. Uh, oh wow! Grail the other day, and that could easily be a thousand dollar pop. But I'm. I'm more of a Transformers fan than I am a Batman, and I bet I could get somebody to make that trade for me, so I might do it. <laughs> They're going to win in the deal, and I'm fine with that well, because yeah, I want I mean, Optimus. Yeah, yeah, you want the Optimus, yep. Right? Yep, yep. So you mentioned your niece. Mm-hmm. Have you ever purchased a toy for a child with the ulterior motive of playing with it yourself? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was my brother when I was little, my niece now. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm still a kid. I always will be. So if I if I buy something for someone of that age, it's chances are it's because it's something I wanted to. And yeah, absolutely, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the same on the same token, have you ever purchased? And we mentioned about vintage earlier. You don't really do vintage, but have you ever purchased a vintage toy for a child because you thought it would be good for them based on your own preferences? Mm, 
I don't think I've ever done it with vintage, no. Well, uh, uh, let me take that back. I didn't buy it for a child, but I have a cool story. I had a friend uh, when I worked at uh, the electric company back in Texas, go on 10 years ago probably. Uh, we went to a happy hour one day after work, and this uh, this woman about my age was talking about her love for Star Wars. And I, instantly, I'm like, how cool that a woman my age is also into this. So we're talking up, and, and she was talking about when she was a kid, her and her sister, her mom would take them both to Burger King, and they had a set of Star Wars glasses. We're talking about early 80s, right? These yep. actual glass tumblers with star wars all around the outside and they both were huge han solo fans so they got into a fight over the han solo glass and eventually it either broke or mom took it away because it was causing too many fights a glass right but she couldn't get two of them well she told me the story and then i drew her name as a secret santa that year and i remembered the story so i went on ebay and i found a set of two han solo burger king glasses Mm -hmm. from 1982 or whatever i bought it gave it to her we were best friends after that. She thought I that was the coolest thing she'd ever received in her life. Uh, but I knew that's what it was. I knew she would appreciate it. And it was such an yeah. easy gift to give. And it was worth a little extra expense. Uh, but I but I knew that was going to be a big moment for me, too, because she was going to enjoy it so much. So absolutely, there was a little bit of, of uh, it was for me as much as it was for her. Very cool. Very cool. If you want to continue your niece along the dark side, you just teach her about Jar Jar Binks and how cool he actually is. Oh, my gosh. She already <laughs> doesn't like Star Wars. If she turns out she does like Jar Jar. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'll take it. If it gets her into Star Wars, I'll take it. <laughs> Poor Jar Jar. Poor Jar Jar. He gets no respect. Misa thinks he deserves more respect. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if you do any toy modifications or customs, painting, building, dioramas, that kind of stuff. Oh, I never have, but I've always been very intrigued by, by it, and I would love to try one day. Some of my favorite streams, some of my favorite artists are people who do uh, either exclusive or, or – um, uh, mods on pops or they make their own line of toys. I just, I'm so amazed by, by all that process. Uh, I haven't, I think I could, I just, mm-hmm. I have to dedicate some time to it and try it one day. Yeah, absolutely. Now this, I, I cannot wait for your answer on this. Cause oh boy. To- I mean, okay. So I don't talk to like two times so far. So toy kit for your own people listening to the sound of my voice, know the history of this podcast, but from 2009 to 2014, I had this podcast going. A buddy of mine that helped me start it passed away in 2011, and I only tried to – by 2014, I was out of out of toy collecting because I had sold all my original collection in 2011. And I was just like, yeah, no, I just – I can't go on. And then a buddy of mine last year was like, hey, let's do this. And what he wanted to do, and we are still planning on doing this, is creating the – Toy cast police department. What he <laughs> said was my buddy Josh, Josh the Floor Burger. Um, the nickname there is based off of David Hasselhoff and his. Ah, yes. Nice. So, so Josh came up with this idea of what would toy crimes be? Like, obviously, <laughs> scalping is one. Don't don't be a scalper. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a huge difference to me in someone who is reselling or doing like whatnot. Like if you already have the pop in your collection and you want to resell or you're buying this to get, that's not, no, a scalper is somebody that goes in there 
and cuts in line of every seven-year-old, even mm-hmm. those 42-year-olds that are in disguise as seven-year-olds, and buys all seven of the eight that are there, and then we're all left to fight over the last Target-exclusive Funko Pop Pikachu that's left. Yep, I agree. That's exactly right. You know, so that's a crime potentially hiding the to- – like taking a Funko Pop flocked Sully and from the electronics department to like – ladies lingerie or guys socks or you know you know so we were trying to come up with this that and the other thing and everything else and so that's that's going to be interesting but basically the whole point of me saying all that is to say question 32 do you think toy companies should specifically have adult collector toys child toys or find a way to mix both Mm, well that's a great question i i think i think you keep them separate uh, maybe they bleed over into one another. Uh, just, just that's the way things go. I know plenty of people who their kids love their pops, even though you know they're quite valuable. But I, I think you aim them differently. I mean, kids' toys are usually going to be things the packaging doesn't matter. Uh, it's going to get, it's going to get beat up, abused as they kind of learn to navigate collecting themselves. And for adults, for us, it's much more about, you know, is it going to be in pristine condition? Is it going to meet the art expectations I have for this license? So I think separate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I was at a Walmart one time, a couple of years ago. And I go into the electronics department and I'm just waiting and waiting and I'm waiting. And there was a mother there with her kid looking through like seven pops because apparently at that point in time, Walmart hadn't restocked her. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. there are seven figures here from all various different things. You don't need to spend 20 minutes. Get out of the way, lady, get your kid, (laughs) go to the real toy aisle and buy him a real toy. Not saying I'm not. When I say that it's because at the time I'm just like, I don't want to stand here for 20 minutes. I just want to get my Cobra commander and go. Damn it. All right. Oh boy. But then again, it is Walmart. So <laughs> Don't get me started. I already mentioned it. I'm going to leave it there. I know, I know. <laughs> you already mentioned this, too. You've kind of already answered this one. Do you have a my parents got rid of my toys story? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> you heard the big one, but I, there, many yeah. were lost along the way. But that was the big one. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like you are coming to an end of your active collecting? If so, what has signified this phase for you? Was there ever a moment when you were done with toys altogether? No, absolutely not. I mean, I, the, when I was in high school and college, I was just too busy to be into this kind of world and also had no money. I mean, any money I made from working was going into to uh, going out with friends or dating or whatever. Uh, once I got out of college and before I even found Funko or anything, I collected like McFarlane's Austin Powers toys line. I collected sports cards, got big into that again. I think I'm I'm in my prime for collecting. The only hindrance I have now is income that's keeping me from buying more stuff and space. Yeah. Uh, one day, I hope both of those are remedied and I'm back on the track I want to be on. And I, I just see myself continuing to collect for the rest of my life in some fashion. I yeah. don't know if that's going to be physical toys, digital stuff, if it's going to be a mixture. I imagine a mixture. Uh, if I'll get more into cards, uh, then I will collectibles. But I, but I do know, uh, again, even after my weird past with Funko, 
I just can't get enough of, of the pops and now the sodas I like. I'm not as into it as some other people. I, the new NFTs. I, I'm anxious to see what they do next. I mean, I have uh, a lot of faith in the new CEO, Andrew Pedersen. Uh, or Andrew, uh, not Pedersen. Uh, Perlmutter. Uh, I know the guy. I know he's a real fan. And I know he's going to lead the company in the right direction. And I can't wait to see what they do. I, I see myself being a fanatic for many, many years to come. Very cool. So what is – did Brian leave? Is he still – like – No, the, the official press release that I read basically said that he wanted – his passion's always been the production of right. products people like. And as a CEO, I imagine – this was my speculation – that he was getting pulled to do way too much like talking on financial shows and touring the country to sell the company and stuff like that. Uh, not sell yeah. it to other people, but but – promote it yeah, uh, yeah and so this he just did a lateral move essentially and now he's in charge of creative on that side of the company was still he still owns part of the company so it's not like he's gone and well, Perlmutter, who they were already grooming to become ceo stepped up into that role uh, because he has more of a uh, background in business he okay. came from a business background and so i think uh i think it's probably what's best for the company uh in the upcoming years as well because Growing a company is one thing. Keeping it big and continuing to grow when it's public is a yeah. nightmare. And I hope well, he's able to do it. Me too, because there's one license. And I think you know where I'm going to go with this. Yeah, well, uh-huh, uh-huh. There is one license that could keep Funko in the in in the rich coffers for at least another 10 years. One license. However, that license is more difficult to crack than the entire star map. All is they need is Nintendo. Yep, that's it. That's the one. And they've been trying for at least that I know of seven, eight years without any luck. The, the argument I've heard, I don't know if it's true or not, is that Funko doesn't like uh, the stylization of their characters. They don't want Mario with the big black soulless eyes. Uh, they didn't say that, but that's what I've, I've heard is that that's, their that's, issue. that's what Nintendo has an issue with is that yes. they don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. That's what I've heard. I haven't heard that from a Nintendo employee, but through the grapevine, that seems to be the right. Point. Right. Yeah. But, but I mean, he, and I will give the designers and, and the artists and the painters and the whatever, you know, I, I still want, I'm still coveting it. It's not super rich, but it's too rich for my blood. I want that killer frost with the white eyes from the flash. Like when oh, that yeah. got announced, I was like, give it to me now. Yeah, it's very cool. That was New you York know, Comic Con that year. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But, um, but you know, and, and they've done other, like, I've seen things recently where they're doing, they're not just black soulless eyes. They might be red or purple yeah. or, you know, whatever. The, the art's come a long ways. I, I think the Nintendo code will be cracked in the next few years, and here's why. They just recently, uh, the original investment firm that purchased, like, 20-some-odd percent of Funko back in, like, uh, must have been 2000. 15, 16, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sold their chunk to another investment firm that's made up of some executives from like Nike and uh, several other large companies. And the guy who is, I think, LeBron James' agent. 
Okay. And they have contacts out the wazoo. They are looking to take Funko to the next level. That's the only reason you make a several, I think it was, if it was billions or hundreds of millions of dollars, I forget. You can look it up. It's public. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They invested big money, and you only do that if you think you can make big money when you're those kind of players. They yeah. have all the contacts in the world, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if a, an executive from Nike had knows an executive from Nintendo, and they can find a way to come to a happy medium. It may even not be a pop. It could be a whole separate line. Uh, but any way to get them in the door at Funko and to make a Nintendo product, you're absolutely right, would be money, money, money for years yep. to come. Yeah. And, I, you know, you mentioned earlier sodas. Mm-hmm. A couple of years, this is over a decade ago now, I went into my local comic shop at the time and I saw a Simpsons Duff beer can, similar to how the, the uh-huh. Funko sodas are done. Yeah. And all that was in there was a Simpsons stylized standard 52 card deck of playing cards. Oh, that's smart. Okay. But the Duff beer can, same metal can, same thing that you would see, whatever, with the, the sodas. And, and my thing is, the sodas are almost worse than closed box packaging because you don't get whole point of the pot. Like, I can look right at Jay Jonah. I can look right at his pickle puss. I can see him in the thing. How are you supposed to? How are you supposed to enjoy an even more super deformed toy in a can when you can't even? Well, I guess I'm contradicting myself here because <laughs> I'm fine with that. I realize the irony in my earlier statements. Now, the 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 soda was a genius line because of the chases. Well, yes, yes. And and when I, I was still at Funko when we premiered that product at Toy Fair, which is when all the buyers come in and decide yep. what they want to put on their store shelves. And they would come in and they would look at soda and I would explain it and they would seem unimpressed. And I'd be like, now take this. Think about this. The collectors, and I'm one of them, we want the chase. We don't know what's in the packaging. We can't open it at the store, even though some people do. Uh, and uh, we really, really want it. We won't buy one. We'll buy six. Yeah, And they would look at me baffled like, there's no way you're right. And I'm like, trust me, I'm absolutely right because I've done it. We want the chase. We don't want to pay for the premium on the secondary market. We will spend the, what does that come out to, like $85, $75, whatever it is, uh, to buy six of them so that we have that one chase and the regular. And that's what will happen. And that's what did happen. I was absolutely right. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a really smart product move. Now in the secondary market, uh, you know you can buy some really cool displays to either put the figure on top of the soda or in a case with the soda. I actually have a friend that manufactures these, and now Funko has even started selling some uh, for display purposes with those metal discs that go on the top, and that's a really cool way to show those off. But it is troublesome. It doesn't take much for those to come tumbling down off a shelf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody please. Q crumbling down already because I can just I can hear it now. Oh, I've had it happen so uh, many times. <laughs> so I would say, and this does not have to be Funko specific, but outside of the Nintendo license and outside of me wanting an Alf Pop, what is something that does not have a toy of it you'd love to have in toy form? Oh, space balls, space balls, anything. Unfortunately, there is a licensing restriction that uh, they had to sign away product when they made that movie because Lucas had issues with it being a Star Wars knockoff. But if any company, if Disney ever bought the own Spaceballs and they made Spaceballs product, I'd buy it in a heartbeat. 
anything. You've, there's never been an officially licensed Spaceballs product, period. Isn't that a shame? Yes. It's such a good movie. My brother and I did an episode of our podcast on it, and I, I've seen some great customs. I've seen some great T-shirts sold on uh, on eBay and, and uh, Etsy and sites like that, but I want some officially licensed real merch. Uh, can't wait to get my Spaceballs flamethrower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Spaceballs the flamethrower. Yeah. It'd be so good. Lucas yeah, could just be. they could just give the approval. Disney could just say do it, or I wouldn't be surprised to find out that because of all the acquisitions they've done over the year, that Disney actually owns Spaceballs in some way, shape, or form and they could do it. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. All right. Isn't it? Yep. So you're coming from a place where you've seen things that are Scaled up for not necessarily functional, but they are scaled up for the real world and real people because Funko has, you know, giant statues of pops and things like that. But what is one toy you'd love to have scaled up and functional for the real world? Oh, well, good Lord, that would have to be a Transformer. <laughs> Absolutely. <on. laughs> a real Bumblebee or a real Optimus Prime or, yeah, God, that'd be so awesome. Hell yeah, man. I want my car to really transform. That would be so cool. As long as you're not in it when it happens. I don't know. They pulled it off with Bumblebee in the, in the movies. That's, I thought that was really cool. That's very, very <laughs> true. Very, very true. Uh, how have your spouses, significant others, mates, partners, etc., dealt with your collection? Yeah, my wife was not a fan. Uh, she... <laughs> I, I slowly but surely tried to get her into the world. She was a huge Harry Potter fan. Uh, and so I tried to get her into it, but she even kept that collection of hers in a separate little area. She didn't want it being, you know, a big part of life that was too childish. Um, and luckily now I have roommates that are very much into it. And so like we just moved into this house and I have all these really cool Mondo posters. And I was like, where am I going to hang them in my room? And one of my roommates was like, dude, you can put them up all over the house. Remember, you, you can do whatever you want here. It's our house. And I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, so now I now I have the freedom to do that. So there's big decisions to be made. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, you, sometimes the significant others or whatever are not into it. And that's uh, that's a real shame. I really wish I could have shared that, but uh, unfortunately, we didn't. Yeah, my uh, my late wife, we, uh, you know, obviously, I have my, you know, I had my room and whatever else, and I, I, I don't have. Back then, I had maybe just over two hundred. Now, I just have under two hundred pops, and I would also get her various. Uh, she got into it. There's actually, I'll, I'll, I think. It, you can look on any of my social medias, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. I think it's probably most recently on my Facebook. The cousin it pop. She has, oh, yeah. she had, I should say had, she's, mm, she had hair long enough to where she could essentially put it in front of her face. <laughs> with the, Literally, like this, it's spitting image. She looks yeah. like, and she's holding the cousin it pop in front of her. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> and she used to be able to make the noise. And I'm just like, okay, you say you're not into this stuff, but as yeah. long as it's characters that you like and enjoy and care about and what, it, like, you can hit. Like, she was never going to have the hundred of figures that I have, but you know, I, I would always, you know, find like 
Dar, I like I literally just looked at the value of Daria because I thought about selling it at one point or another, and I, I looked at the sold listings on eBay, and I'm like, the value on the Funko app and the actual sold listings aren't really meshing. <laughs> You know, it's very interesting that you say that. I do. I, I mentioned earlier, I do a segment on Wednesdays, or I did. I haven't been able to do it much lately because my collections in storage, where I would take old pops yeah. uh, that have been vaulted, and I would show what the value is. And you do it exactly right. You look at the eBay sold listings, and there, I've kind of developed my own formula now by using only buy it nows. I think the auctions kind of throw things off, uh, yeah. but there is definitely a difference at times between the Funko app and eBay and. But most people, they, they're like, well, it says in the Funko app or PPG that this is it. And I'm like, well, that's that's cute. The value of yeah. something is what someone will pay for it. And I've got proof that they'll pay more. So that's what I'm going to sell it for. Take it or leave it. You know, yeah. uh, I don't sell. So I haven't really tested this theory fully. Uh, but so uh, the Funko, yeah, the Funko app lists Daria and huh? Daria is just a, this. Was she New York? I don't, Ooh, I don't remember. Exclusive? I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think she was ever an exclusive. Unless there was a version that I don't remember. But yeah. I mean, there's only been one, I believe. Oh, okay. Uh, that was mainline then, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think she has a st- I, yeah, come on. It come should on. say in the uh I'm looking it up too now. It should say down below release twenty nineteen, but it doesn't yeah. say anything about what con it was for, so that's a mainline. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but, you know, the Funko app lists her value as $100. The sold listings are anywhere from 30 to 80 Interesting, because the the Funko is supposed to the Funko app is supposed to pull from PPG, which does take a average of recent sales. Uh, but sometimes that data doesn't come across right. Um, I, I personally think if you want to get a real value, look at the look at the buy it now sold items. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's yeah. usually the best way. Yeah, yeah. Toy collecting can have its struggles. What is one aspect you tend to struggle with the most? Money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would own a lot more if it weren't for the restrictions, both both yeah. buying and selling. I want to buy everything. I would love to sell to prove, you know, my theories on on what the value is and to get money back from all the stuff I've I've invested in over the years. But the um, the emotional connection to these items is stronger than my need for money, as it turns out. Uh, I need to get over that hump because uh, I need to pay bills. But it's yep. such a hard thing for me to do because I, there is such a connection to uh, there's a story for every piece I own. Yeah, uh, it was at a con. It was with friends. I got it via this thing or that thing or, you know, it just uh, it's it's an odd thing, I guess, in some in some uh, way. I need to be more of a flipper mentality. I won't, but I guess I need to be a little bit. Or, you know, you could start your own pop business. I mean, why not? I've debated that. Yeah, I have some friends who have done it. Mm hmm. Yeah. You could you could turn nerd foo into a pop business. It's yeah. it's already it's already established, right? Might as well. Uh, that, that was the conversation that was on the table uh, <laughs> eight years ago. We talked about that. We at that time before HQ and uh, Hollywood, we were like, would they do a store franchise? And we we were wholeheartedly like, if they ever do, we're opening a store in Houston because that's where I was at at the time. Yeah, man, yeah. if we had, come on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What is one positive and one negative memory you have with buying toys? 
Hmm. Positive memory, a lot of them. Uh, probably one of my most positive memories was getting in line at SDCC 2013. That was the first year it really blew up. The year before you could walk into the booth, by 2013 it, it had grown so much. And uh, we went and stood in line and made friends uh, that I still talk to to this day. And we got in, and that was a year where you walked into the product area and you could scoop the product into a bag. You could buy as much as you wanted, multiple of each if you wanted, and check out. And believe it or not, Brian Mariotti was there working that day, and I got a chance to chat with him for a few minutes. Wow. Uh, and it was very, very cool, especially looking back on my path and the years following that I got to go work with him. And, and he'll never remember that moment, but I certainly did, and it meant a lot. And that's the fans and him at the time were one of the main reasons why I was like, this is going to be a successful company. People are really into it. They treat each other well. Uh, at least they did then. There is a lot of toxicity, unfortunately, now because of flippers and, and entitled people. It's unfortunate, but there's still a lot of good people, too. Uh, negative memories? Uh, yeah, dealing with people uh, <laughs> online. As an employee and as a fan, both before and after, there are just way too many people who take it way too seriously and they are entitled and think that, you know, Funko should uh, bow to them and that other fans should cater to them. And it's just a real shame that they can't get past that and see the beauty and the fun and the friendship that can come from being a part of something bigger than yourself. And that's for, for true fanatics. That's what it's about. It's not just about the soulless black eyed toys on a shelf. It's about getting friends, meeting, meeting new people and becoming part of a community and also uh, recapturing your youth. It, it can just be so much fun if you let it, but so many people seem to fight that aspect of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what sucks. It does. It does. But you, you got to hone in and find the good people and make them family. That's what I've done. Those are the people that watch my streams. Those are the people I hang out with at cons. Those are the people that we, we have discussions every day. The word Funko does not escape my mouth. I, I, every day it's said at least 10 times. And it has been for a decade. That's a long time to be a part of something. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. If you could... <laughs> Here we go. This is going to be a good one. Oh, God. Obviously, marketers are not designers, but if you could create any toy, what would you want to create? Whatever company gives you the keys to the kingdom and says you can do whatever you want, no matter what. Um, I, th I think there's... This is going to happen, and I think we're on the cusp of it all right now. But I want to design my own line of toys and figures that straddle the lines between physical and digital collectibles. I think if you buy a physical product on a shelf, mm -hmm. it should come with ownership digitally as well. And should be able to be transferred and change hands and all the way the digital follows the physical along that journey. So that not only do you have uh, the cool product, but if you do sell it, you're still a bit of the history of that product. People can look back five years later and go, oh, I got this pop. Sully owned that pop or 
Brian Mariotti owned that pop or, you know, whatever. I want to, I want to do something like that. And I, and I want to create a community around those, uh, figures, whatever they are. I mean, I'm, I'm working on some things myself right now, but I want to, I want to, I want, I want to develop a community again that reminds me of the early days of Funko. I don't need it to be a billion dollar business. I would never go public. Uh, I want it to be a functional business where the people that work there are paid fairly and treated fairly and that the fans are also that the fans are at the forefront of it. I think that community is more important than the product itself, but you you've got to have something at the middle of it. And that's the product I want to develop, whatever it might be. That's probably not the answer you were looking for, but that's the answer. That's, I mean, yeah, everyone has a different answer to that. No, there is no specific. No, I mean that that's, that's your answer. Yeah. I've developed my own character called hoot. Who's an owl, which if you've ever been by my stream, you've seen. And I've been selling NFTs of him. And I just recently made a, a poster. And I think that he might have some legs down the road if I can figure out how to do it properly. Uh, and it's, you know, owning an original IP, if it takes off, is a, is your is your lottery ticket. Yep. It, it can be the biggest thing in the world. Just look at Hello Kitty or, or any of those type of uh, licensed characters that just take off. I mean, hell, Mario from... Nintendo is a billion yeah. dollar character, a ten billion dollar character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now if Funko went the way of, like, oh, like say comic books, for example, because uh, I don't know, a decade or so ago, and I'm sure they're still doing it now. Maybe, maybe I don't know. But Marvel and DC back in 2012, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. You go out to your comic shop, you buy the physical book, there is a digital code for a digital copy. Mm -hmm. If that was the way NFTs were done... Might change your tune, huh? I don't mind knocking a few people over as long as I can get the physical pop first. (laughs) I don't mind (laughs) knocking a few people over. (laughs) I'm telling you, man, I've said this to everybody, I am telling you, the first time I hear news of Funko making an ALF pop Everybody just get out of my way. That's your one, huh? I, 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 I bet money it happens. Pull in the china shop because just move. Yeah, I love like, it. I, I'll, like, the day I see it posted, and it will happen. <laughs> it's got to. I will cheer for you, Mike. I, I don't Mike, understand why. Like, we have cheers. We have Frasier. We have every – okay, we don't have family ties yet. We probably will yet. never get Cosby Show, and that's fine. Whatever. But, like, we have every uh, – Alf is an 80s icon. For How sure? do you not? How do you only have, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I apologize, this is my first. How do you only have a crappy, wacky wobbler figure from like a decade and a half ago? I wonder like, who owns on. the license for that. That's got to be the sticking I, point. Yeah, I would assume it's, I, I, I know that Paul Fusco has some sort of rights to it. But I don't know if it's NBC Universal. I don't know if it's Comcast. I, I assume because that's where Alf, you know, came from. But I, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. What is the one piece of advice you would give the toy collecting fandom in general? Have fun. It's that simple. Mike talks about it. Mike uh, Becker talks about it all the time. I mean, if you're not having fun in collecting or, or even playing with the toys, then what's the point? Don't do it. 
if it gets to be just work or just flipping or you get into fights over it, what are you even doing? Have fun. That's the center of it all right there. Everybody's a fan of something. Yeah. I mean, it's a great line. I wish I had come up with it, but <laughs> who did, who did come up with it? I, I don't know. I would imagine that's a Mike Becker uh, thing, but because Funko didn't really like hire marketing agencies, like a lot of big companies do, they might now, but when we were on the team that just came to us as like, Hey, this is the new theme. And I was like, Hey, I like that. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. What is advice you would give kids who enjoy toys? I guess same. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's if you for kids, it's tougher. They're not going to look forward at the value. Typically, I do know some kids that are into it and they're going, oh, that could be worth a lot of money one day. I think that's the wrong message to send early on myself. But if that's something they naturally come to, that's fine. Uh, but I think it should also be have fun because a lot of ki- most kids take from their parents uh, at least some, and they, and they of course learn a lot from their parents. If their parents are having fun with it and they've got the right attitude, the kids will too. And I, I've been fortunate enough to meet over the years, uh, several of kids from fans who have grown up since I first met them, you know, they were like five and now they're 13. They've become their own people like my niece. And it's really interesting to see that they are still into Funko as long as they're having fun with it, that's the key thing. You don't want it to feel like it's pushed or or expected of them to be part of Funko. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Or whatever they collect. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, folks, we're going to take one final break. You're going to hear some ads and some other stuff. We're going to come back, and Sully's going to promote himself and everything that he's doing currently, and then I will close the show after this. Let's see if you're really ready to watch this movie. Okay, popcorn? Check. Soft drink? Check. Warner Brothers ball cap? Aha! You can't watch a Warner Brothers movie without a Warner Brothers ball cap. Listen, Doc, what if they ordered a Warner Brothers ball cap so they had it next time? Well, uh, here's all you have to do, folks. Just send for this. Uh-oh. A new Warner Brothers catalog. Use it to order your Warner Brothers ball cap. And while you're at it, you can order stuff like T-shirts, posters, movie books, ties. That's neckties. It's all in the catalog, which you can get now by dialing this 900 number. So when you get a chance, call... No, no, they have to call now. They can't watch the movie until they order their new catalog. You're despicable. You are receiving a transmission from the Rod Pod. Upload pending. Stand by for soundtrack transfer. I am Maggie. And I am John. And we are trapped, hurtling through space in a ship shaped like Rodimus's head. The ship, for reasons we haven't been able to determine, contains the entire run of the IDW Transformers Phase 2 comic. Which chronicle the events following the end of the war between the Autobots and Decepticons. So we figure we may as well read them all in order and report our findings to you. 
Stand by. Stand by. Upload complete now. The Rod Pod. Look for us at marriedwcomics.libsyn.com, at iTunes, at Stitcher, or wherever good podcasts can be found. So, uh, till all are one. Till all are one. Till all are one. Because the world needs another movie podcast. The GeekCast Radio Network presents for your listening pleasure, The Cinema Geek. Hosted by Amanda, Kevin, Matt, and Dan. Each week we dive headfirst in the landscape of movies as we discuss movie news, play movie games, go in-depth on reviews, and even have a top ten countdown or two. Also, don't miss our director retrospective series where we review noted director's movies film by film. Bottom line is, if you love movies and love podcasts, you need to experience The Cinema Geeks. You can find us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, or geekcastradio.com. So let's say you're looking for a podcast of your favorite 80s comic books, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Ninja Turtles, He-Man, etc. Where are you going to go to find us? Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Chuck. That's right, everybody. We're the Star Joe's. We host a podcast called Star Joe's Podcast where we talk about your favorite comic books, your favorite toys of all the 80s properties. Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Mask, Thundercats, Voltron, you name it, we cover it. If it's in the 80s, we will cover it at some point. Yes, so what you want to do to find us, you can go to iTunes, you can go to www.starjoes.com. And remember, the Force will be with you, because knowing us is half the battle. Alright folks, we are back here on ToyCast, episode 154 with Sully. What are you doing currently? I know you mentioned your Twitch channel, but basically run down everything you're 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 doing in, in your social media life. Yeah, yeah. So I am on Twitch. I'm a full-time streamer, a Twitch partner, and most recently a gold wax ambassador. I, I play video games, I talk about NFTs, I do art. I do tons of giveaways, including Funko products and stickers and stuff like that. If anybody wants to watch, Twitch is absolutely free to watch. Some people think it's a paid thing. You can come watch. Uh, I am C.S. Sully on Twitch. So you can just go to twitch.tv and type in C-S-S-U-L-L-Y, and you can come watch. I'm live five days a week. Uh, I have a varying schedule. Sometimes I'm on a little earlier, sometimes a little later, so I can help out friends all over the world on east, west coast of the U.S. and so on. Uh, it is an interactive thing. So if you come by and you're watching me play a game or talk about NFTs and you have questions, you can jump in. A lot of times I try to get the audience involved in things. It is more of a hangout than anything else. So I encourage you to come by if you want to be a part of a, it's a safe space where friends can talk about collectibles and stuff like that. There are no angry people. It's not the YouTube comments. I, I, you know, If you want to come by and be a part of it, please do. And then I'm on Twitter. That's my primary social media focus. Uh, I do Instagram and some other channels, but I spend most of my time on Twitter. Uh, I am also C.S. Sully on Twitter, C-S-S-U-L-L-Y. Please follow. I try to engage with everybody. If you mention me in a tweet or reply to me, chances are I'm going to like your tweet or respond to you. Uh, I share all kinds of fun stuff on there about my streams and collectibles and just my thoughts. 
and uh, try to be nice to everybody, try to be respectful of everybody. And then uh, I've been getting into the NFT space like I've been talking about. So if you guys are interested in finding out more about that, you can do so on my streams or through Twitter. Or you can just go on the Wax blockchain and look up my collection. It's called Nerds Unite Us. N-E-R-D-S-U-N-I-T-E-U-S. Nerds Unite Us, where I've got uh, Nerds Unite logos uh, kind of featured like stickers. I've got my uh, character Hoot. Uh, do all kinds of fun stuff there, and I even give away free NFTs all the time. I just gave one away on my latest stream about the DC Series 2 drop from Funko, where all you had to do was come by and fill out a quick form, and you got a free NFT. Uh, I'm all about community and connecting people, and that's what I'm going to continue to do uh, as long as I can. And then I go to a lot of cons. So if you're ever at a con, uh, look up on Twitter. I might be there. I'd love to say hello, get to meet more people. I'm always looking to... Uh, to hang out with new fans and and then uh, share my thoughts just like on this podcast. Very cool. Very cool. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us next time around. We've got two weeks of display cases. So display case, everyone hearing the sound of my voice knows this already is basically audio toy reviews, audio toy discussions. It's basically, we break open the display case and we each talk about one toy and we just have this toy round table. So, we got two weeks of that coming up. Thank you for joining us here on ToyCast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show, there are several ways to do so. Visit the website, geekcastradio.com, where you can listen to and comment on all of our content. Send any email to feedback at geekcastradio.com. You can check us out on any podcatching client you choose to use. I prefer Spotify, but that's just me. Follow us on Twitter at Geekcast Radio at TF Toycast. I'm at TF2 and Mike. You can also search out Geekcast Radio Network and TF Toycast over on Facebook. For now, I'm TF2 and Mike with Sully. Join us next time when we will be talking more toys here on Toycast. Toycast.